<laughs> sense of theme here. Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. Uh, thanks for downloading, listening to uh, the podcast of the Gary and Shannon Show. Now, if you want to listen to it live, you can do so every weekday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. in the greater Los Angeles area on KFI AM 640. Or you can go onto the iHeartRadio app and just type in KFI and listen live, listen to old shows, etc. Make sure that you subscribe not only to this podcast and share it with all your friends, but the pre-post podcast as well, which is bonus content that we can't do on the air for legal purposes. I would ask the viewers at home turn their volume down because I might get crazy. Welcome to the zoo. We are the monkeys. His delivery doctor was drunk, left three extra inches of umbilical. Gary Hoffman. He's blind as a bat and drunk as a skunk. Shannon Farron. You got to be. If I wanted crap shoved down my throat, I'd be a foie gras goose. Gary and Shannon. Blake just, I can't hear anything what? now. What happened? <laughs> Good Lord, Blake. You're at an 11. I need you to be at a 3 in the volume scale. Step back a little okay. bit on that microphone. So we're sitting in the office this morning, and Gary says, I have an idea, a project for us. You make a list of 12 people you went to college with. I'll make a list of 12 people I went to college with. We'll exchange lists and do our own background check. Yeah. Why is that not? A- and I said, absolutely not. You sure? That was my thought all of Thursday. Thank God I'm never going to be in the running to be on the Supreme Court. Uh, that was a uh, that was an interesting exercise. So we had the the day off uh, Thursday. So that meant, I mean, while Jane was in here, we got to watch it totally uninterrupted. I mean, we didn't have to do a job on the outside of it. So I sat there and watched. I watched the whole thing. I. I, why? I, I mean, I I, I, I was too, getting ready. Why? I was packing because we're going out of town this weekend, and so I was in and out of the room. But I had the volume up so I could hear it throughout the house. Well, I take that, a shower. That's fascinating. <laughs> I take a shower. I get out of the shower, walk out of the bathroom, and I hear Kavanaugh saying, "You ever play quarters?" Oh yes. And I'm like, "What is? What yeah. are we doing here? Where are we?" That was my favorite. That was not my favorite. That was the most. That was not even the most. That was an uncomfortable moment from seven and a half or eight hours worth of uncomfortable moments. Oh, yeah. When it was, I think it was Chris Coons that was asking him to go through the, the yearbook and explain uh, what each one of those stupid little insight. No, it was a Sheldon Whitehouse. That's who it was. Explain what each one of those stupid inside jokes meant. Could you imagine if they went page by page through your high school yearbook and it's like, uh, what does BFF mean? What does uh, see you next summer mean? Come on. It, it was so it was so odd and so beneath what the Senate should be. I mean, it was so frustrating to watch all of that on Thursday. All it was it. and it was frustrating for women as well, uh, dealing with listening to her account of what she says happened in 1982, because if you've ever been in an uncomfortable situation it, you know, it, it puts you right back there. Kind well, of. And I got, I, so I got that. And the, I think the thing I came away from her version of the testimony, Dr. Ford's uh, testimony was, this is a wounded 
broken woman. What, what I thought is, I thought she was absolutely credible because I think emotionally she's still 15. That's what came across. Well, you said that this morning. I think that was a perfect description because it was frustrating for me to sit there and listen to her. Not because I, I, I don't believe her or because I think she's a Democratic operative or something stupid like that. It's that her version of the story at the age of 51 was still the the unclean clumsy it doesn't mean it didn't happen but it was a it her telling of it was uncomfortable to listen to because i felt like at the age of 51 after having talked about it over and over again with therapists or a husband or friends or whatever that it would be a that it would have come across differently um and then her voice also yeah. helped helped put you in oh in those 15 year old shoes <laughs> It was a listen. It was a difficult day. Um, the people who wanted to, you know, go to take to Twitter immediately and say, "I believe this woman," or it brings back memories of my pain, whatever. I get. I totally understand that, and I totally understood the anger and frustration with which Judge Kavanaugh came out firing on all cylinders when it was his turn to talk. I understand the anger, but at the same time, he exposed himself as an entitled kid that grew up just drenched in money. I spent my whole life trying to not date that guy because (laughs) of that attitude, because of that whole, I am better than you. My parents made excuses for all the things I did wrong and I have money and it gets me places. I hate that. I hate that entitled attitude. And I think it was a big mistake for him to go after Democrats, to go after the Clintons and bring up all of that, because that is actually more troubling to me as a Supreme Court justice than what happened in 1982. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's terrible what happened to you that woman, that, if that's what he did. I, I, obviously, she was uh, assaulted by somebody. You mean that but, he would make it political? Yes. Yeah. That well, was more troubling. His attitude, his petulance, his entitlement, that all bothered me a lot more. I think he was exposed as a person. We don't see Supreme Court justices as people. And we saw him as a person and who he is. And he is just somebody who does not want to be called to the mat for anything he's ever done. And he was just so petulant and so upset that he had to answer those questions. I didn't see. I didn't get that. I, I I could see how that would how you could see that. I don't know if it's just a male female difference in that. I because think so. I know there's plenty. I mean, there's plenty of dudes who think he's a total well, dirtbag. You spent your weekend with a bunch of white guys in the Central Valley. I spent mine with a bunch of lesbians in Portland. <laughs> so I had a feeling we'd come to the ah, table with a difference very, of opinion. Very different echo chambers that we were in over the weekend. <laughs> totally. Um, but the the one thing that I thought he missed an opportunity to do, and I. I I've never been I've never had to testify for hours in front of a Senate committee. So I also see how, you know, later in the day, Dr. Ford was she was slipping like she couldn't keep she couldn't concentrate on the questions. She couldn't quite under. But again, fragile person, very fragile person. And she was hopped up on caffeine. And there I mean, she's reliving what she believed. I mean, what was the the. uh, Life changing moment for her. And she's doing it in front of God and everybody. Right. For him, came late in the day. The moment that I thought came late in the day was when Cory Booker started asking him questions. And the the senator from New Jersey was asking, do you believe that she, being Dr. Ford, do you believe that she was a Democratic operative? And I thought that that Judge Kavanaugh missed the opportunity to say, no, 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 hold on. 
I, I feel horrible for what Dr. Ford has gone through. Whether she thinks I did it or somebody else did it, I feel horrible because obviously she's impacted to this day 36 years later. I blame everybody on that side. And he said it a couple of times. But he said, I blame everybody on your side of this, you know, of this room. And I blame Senator Feinstein specifically because she had the information months ago when this information could have come out could have remained confidential because the FBI would have honored the confidentiality. It was the ranking member who allowed this information to get out somehow and and, and to not make it so much about Dr. Ford. And, and to, that would also take away the political thing about, you know, the theories of the Clintons and the BS and that. Right. And I also think he missed an opportunity to say, bring on the FBI investigation. He yeah. tiptoed around that question repeatedly. Why? I don't know why. I, that was another thing. Why, unless you have something uh, to hide? I assume it was just because it they that Republicans or the White House specifically didn't want to give that step. But I mean, I I got to tell you, everybody in the middle that I know, everybody who's like, well, she has a credible story, but he has a credible defense. Uh, there's no one who corroborates her story in that moment, but there are people who s- said. Judge Kavanaugh was never there, that this thing never happened, this party that she describes. So she didn't have the corroborative evidence that would have been necessary to make it even more credible. Why not just open it up and let the FBI do their questions? Right. The uh, president this morning was asked oh, about boy. this, and it was a press conference to behold. I mean, he went totally off uh, off script, <laughs> off the rails, and we will all benefit from it when we come back. Hey, before we do that, we also have... $1,000. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword bank to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's bank to 200-200. If you win, they'll give you a call, so you got to answer that phone. Your next chance to win is next hour sometime between, oh, Amy's News and that first commercial break. You have a chance to win $1,000 an hour Monday through Friday from 5 in the morning with Jonesy starting with Wake Up Call all the way through the first hour of the Conway You don't show. have to have the baseball game on every mean, television. I didn't mean to. I just, I just pushed a button and they all came up. So. <laughs> Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, keeping our eye on the big stories of the day. It looks like rescuers in Indonesia there have pulled a man out alive from a collapsed building three days after that earthquake and tsunami and the destruction that that uh, that mounted up. More than 840 people confirmed dead in the disaster. I think that number is just going to be. Oh, yeah. That's going to rise. A thousand, it sounds like, just based on the amount of damage. Um, also, today happens to be the anniversary of the shooting in Las Vegas. 51 people killed at that uh, Route 91 festival just next or just across the street from Mandalay Bay. And I saw this morning that there was a couple that got married out in front of Mandalay Bay. A couple of survivors that got married out there. Oh. They said this is a way for us to take back wow. our memory of this place and this, this time. So That gives me chills. Um, all right. So we've been talking about what's going on with the Judge Kavanaugh, uh, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. The FBI is doing an investigation. Um, and even though they have 
gone through and talked with some of the people that we know involved with this. Apparently, they have not yet talked with Dr. Ford, according to her lawyers. There was another guy, um, a a former classmate of Judge Kavanaugh, said he's deeply troubled by what has been a blatant mischaracterization by Brett uh, himself of his drinking at Yale. Charles Chad Luddington. What a wonderful Yale name. (laughs) I mean, come on. Chad, I love that. All right, so Chad now teaches at North Carolina State University, says he was a friend of Kavanaugh's at Yale, and that Kavanaugh was a frequent drinker, a heavy drinker. On many occasions, he says, I heard Brett slur his words, saw him staggering from alcohol consumption, not all of which was beer. When Brett got drunk, he was often belligerent and aggressive. He said that, uh, you know, youthful drinking should not condemn a person for life, but that he's concerned about his statements under oath. And that's the problem. And that's where Brett Kavanaugh did not give an inch. He's on the record talking about how much he likes beer. Yeah. So, well, and, I wa- and so, to, so to say that he's never been blackout, he's asked by uh, Amy, uh, Col- how do I say Klobuchar. That? Klobuchar. Uh, you know, you ever get blackout drunk? Senator, have you ever? Yeah. Awkward. That was again. awkward. Um, but still, he would not answer the question. If he was drinking to the point of staggering, he absolutely got blackout drunk. Well, so <laughs> and so when you get blackout drunk, how are you then to be so definitive that you were not that guy in that room? If you you might not remember being that guy, you might not have any memory logged in your bank up there that says you were that guy. My daughter actually happened to be home from school at the moment that that line of questioning was going on, and the the, the, the uh, delineation between blackout drunk, passing out, and going to sleep, and. She said, what's the difference? And I'm trying to explain to her without also sounding like a complete lush. Well, you can have, you know, you could probably have one extra drink and that's too many and you get really tired and you go to bed. That's very different from falling asleep on some strange couch with half your clothes on and waking up at four in the morning going, where the hell am I? That's blackout drunk. Passing out or... I'm tired, I'm going to go to bed early, or I'm going to go to bed and the room is spinning thing. That, to me, is not passing out drunk. I I think that this... If the room is spinning, you're passing out drunk, I think is a general good rule. Yeah, but, okay, well then... That's not a good place to be. (laughs) Listen, it's a good thing we're not on the Senate Judiciary Committee. Because I would say, I would say, listen, if you voluntarily put yourself to bed, you're not blackout drunk. No, that's not true. What do you mean? I think you can absolutely put yourself to bed earlier than you would have gone to bed in the natural course of the day, and you'd be a blackout drunk. Okay, well. A blackout drunk just means you don't remember everything that went I, on with your drinking. Right. I you remember I mean? putting myself to bed. Okay. I remember, so I'm not, I, there's, no, there's no time gaps You don't have there. to there's wake no up missing. half naked on a stranger's couch. I mean, that's, that's beyond the call of duty. Okay, well, let's go back to that, uh, that, that little exercise that we could do where I call 12 of your college friends, you call 12 of my college friends. I'm totally fine with that. Just Uh, never, just never to put it on the air. I just wouldn't go on the air with all the stories involving, Um, you know, public urination and things like that. One of the issues about the FBI investigation, oh, the president's stuff, we'll have to play it when we come back. Yes, we do. um, One of the issues with the FBI investigation is there's no, there's no legal conclusion one way or the other when the FBI does this sort of thing. It's just information gathering. So what they'll do is they'll write a report, sort of an addendum to the background checks that they've already done, and specifically go after information about 
you know, I don't even know if they're going to ask about drinking, but they'll they'll talk about uh, obviously the Deborah Ramirez allegations where he whipped out his uh, his mini judge in front of her when they were at Yale, and then assuming that they'll talk with Doctor Ford as well. But again, they'll only come back with information. They're not going to come back with a conclusion that there was a crime, there wasn't a crime, anything like that. The other story, and I didn't, I haven't seen a lot of this, but Rachel Mitchell, she was the prosecutor. Oh, gosh. She was the prosecutor who was asking questions of Dr. Ford on behalf of the Republican senators. That was so disjointed, the way they did that. That was a, because she, as a prosecutor, you're trying to string together a line of questioning to get to an eventual, eventual point. Right. If you've got the jury listening to five of your questions and then willy-nilly questions from other people, yeah. it's really hard to string together your point. Yeah. And I, that was the that was a frustrating thing. Like if if she had there's 11 senators there. So if she had had 55 minutes, she had an hour basically and was limited to just an hour, even even 30 minutes yeah. in succession where she could then ask those questions, like you're saying, and develop this thing, this pattern of facts or whatever, and then either try to um, eliminate some of them or explain how the story is inconsistent, whatever it was. But because it had to be broken up every five minutes, it was horrible. If you didn't see the SNL cold open of Matt Damon as Brett Kavanaugh, go watch it during the break. I haven't seen it It's yet. hilarious. <laughs> Really? Um, I yes. didn't think it was funny at all. But, oh, Ra- I did. Rachel Mitchell did write a report for the Senate Judiciary Committee based on what she saw from Thursday. And she said she did not believe that a reasonable prosecutor would bring a case based on the evidence that was before the committee. Well, no, because you need the evidence to convict. And that's the problem. I yeah. mean, that doesn't really mean much to me. All right. Coming back, uh, the president also kind of put on his own skit today as well. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon, big uh, big baseball day today. A couple of they're considered regular season games, but they're tiebreakers both in the National League Central, the Cubs and Brewers, and then this afternoon, about ninety minutes from now, is when. The Dodgers will host the Colorado Rockies this to see is, uh, who wins the National League West. This is why May matters. You know, that Tuesday night game against the Brewers in May. You're like, eh, we lost that one. It matters. It does. It's I, it's pretty amazing that you could go 162 games and still end up completely tied. tied. I know. Uh, but it's great. This is So this is all the teams that are playing today are still in. Um, they just have to figure out who's going to win the division, who's going to go on and uh, play for the wild card as well. So we'll keep an eye on that game. There's no score in that Cubs-Brewers uh, game this morning. So the president holds a news conference this morning all about the new NAFTA deal, which is not called NAFTA anymore. I think he just I think he was probably s- satisfied with just a name change, just like a rebranding. <laughs> that's, that's all he was doing. Was right. Um, yeah, the deadline was late last night. And everybody came to the table finally. We figured out exactly what's uh, what's going to go into this. It allows some concessions for, for example, uh, our dairy farmers to have more uh, more reach into the Canadian market. A bunch of other stuff as well that I don't understand, to be honest. But um, when he was out in front of the White House today or behind the White House and answering questions of reporters on trade, a bunch of people started chiming in with questions about Brett Kavanaugh. Yes. And he kept saying, we'll get to those. I'm doing just trade questions. Caitlin Collins is a reporter for CNN who at one point said, I'm going to ask a question on Judge Kavanaugh. And he wasn't ready for it yet and told her, wait, no, 
That's excuse enough. Me. Excuse me. Right. Excuse me. She's like in the middle of her question. Excuse me. That's what he does to shut people up. And, she uh, ends up asking the question. He completely ignores it and moves on to somebody else and answered uh, a trade question. So he did get back to it and did start answering questions about Judge Kavanaugh. And it was a doozy. Oh, boy. Um, let's see. I want to start with uh, this one. This was the first comment that he made about uh, knowing some people. If drinking was the issue, he knows some people who are pretty sloppy drunks. We, you know, I, I tell you what. I happen to know some United States senators. One who is on the other side, who's pretty aggressive. I've seen that person in very bad situations. Okay? I've seen that person in very, very bad situations. Somewhat compromising. And, you know, uh, I think it's very unfair to, to bring up things like this. However, whatever the senators want is okay with me. Right. That is so wrong. It's <laughs> throwing somebody under the bus. Well, a few minutes later, one of the other reporters. Mr. President, you just said some senators are not angels, and you've seen some of them in I very would say some of them, yes. compromising situations. <laughs> yes. Could you tell us who and exactly what wow. situation No, no. I, I think I'll save it for a book like everybody else, and I'll write it. <laughs> Classic okay. line. I'm yeah, not giving good. it to you. That was good. That was a great line. Um, but when he talked about um, – Caitlin Collins did eventually get the question – uh, to ask, and it was about alcohol and the use of alcohol. Because if Chad Luddington uh, is right, he's the guy who was at Yale with Brett Kavanaugh and said Brett Kavanaugh lied to everybody on Thursday when he talked about the quantity uh, of his drinking while at school. If that becomes an issue, and if that's something where you can talk about the the judge perjured himself in front of Congress, I don't know. That'd be really hard to prove when you're talking about quantities of drinking and how much that guy considers too much and how much Brett Kavanaugh considers too much. Well, and then you're putting alcohol abuse on trial or right. alcohol use. It's just alcohol, depending. period. Right. Can you like beer and be a Supreme Court justice? Well, so Caitlin finally was able to ask her question. So if he did lie about his drinking, does that mean you'll pull his I don't think he did. Okay. I, look, here's, here's what I'm just saying. I'm not a drinker. I can honestly say I never had a beer in my life, okay? Oh, poor man. Right. It's one of my only good traits. I don't drink. <laughs> Whenever they're looking for something good, I say, I never had a glass of alcohol. I've never had alcohol. I've just, you know, for whatever reason. Can you imagine if I had what a mess I'd be? Would I be the, I'd be the world's worst. But I never drank. I never drank, okay? But I can tell you, I watched that hearing. And I watched a man saying that he did have difficulty as a young man with drink. The one question I didn't ask is, how about the last 20 years? Have you had difficulty the last 20 years? Because nobody said anything bad about good him point. in many, many years. They go back to high school. You know, I graduated from high school, and, and I, I, while I did not drink, I saw a lot of people drinking. They'd drink beer, and they'd go crazy, and, you know, they were in high school. They were 16, 17 years old, and I saw a lot of it. Does that mean that they can't do something that they want to do with their life? So, it's a very tough thing. I, I really believe that he was very strong on the fact that he drank a lot. And so I don't know where there'd be big discrepancy. Okay, so yes, go ahead, so please. Just to wrap please. up, can you promise you know to what? release really the FBI's report? Hey, you've had enough. <laughs> That's and then so he did lie about That's so. a CNN reporter. Yeah, I, I loved it. I thought that was like such a nice moment of self-awareness. He's like, can you imagine if I did? I'd be the worst. That was great. Uh, he brings up an interesting issue. These allegations against uh, Judge Kavanaugh are all 
30 years old, 35, 36 years old. But the, the the reason that he's in the place where he is, Kavanaugh, is not because of his drinking. It's because of the assault. And yes, they're connected right. probably. But I don't know if you can. I don't think. I don't know if his drinking habits over the past twenty years are. I don't know if a judge would let that in. I guess I should say. It would not be pertinent, would it? Right. I mean, it would not be pertinent. You, uh, you would imagine that somebody who drank that much would not be able to accomplish what this guy has accomplished. I mean, in terms of getting to the position that he's in. Not to say that that people can't be functionally drunk and, you know, still be able to perform at a high level. Um, but I would just make an assumption that this is not a giant issue for him because he is where he is. I mean, he, he's been nominated to, to the Supreme Court. So the alcohol thing, I think, is just going to fall by the wayside. I don't think it's going to be a huge issue. I don't think the FBI is going to look into that. that yeah, uh, I think it's, it's all about the, a sexual assault. Did it occur? Was it Brett Kavanaugh? But it does. But him lying about his levels of drinking to under oath is a problem. But see, that's the, and that's the. And issue the but that's not what they're investigating, right? You but, know what I mean. And how do you how do you nail him on the details? I mean, it wasn't specific. Uh, five is too many for me, or seven beers in a twenty four hour period is too many for me. He just said, you know, I like beer, and sometimes I've had too much, and yeah, I know when that is, and I know, you know. I regret it, probably. But So the, uh, the other angle that's fascinating to me is the Jeff Flake angle. And Jeff Flake changing his mind and going along with his, this investigation. And people now talking about Jeff Flake inserting himself into, uh, into the 2020 election, possibly, over this. Just by doing that. Huh? Yeah, putting this as his, using this as his thing, like running on this. Well, it's a weird compromise because my understanding was... He made the deal with Chris Coons to demand the FBI investigation. He would vote in favor of moving the nomination to the full Senate, but only if or, or yeah, only if they would call for this investigation or allow the investigation. Whatever. Well, because Flake had made up his mind there should be no FBI investigation, that he was going to vote to confirm. Right. And then all of these women that have been assaulted, like accost him in an elevator and say, you're telling us we don't matter. And somewhere between that elevator and the the crowded phone booth that still exists on Capitol Hill that he and Coons <laughs> crowded into to use their cell phone to call and talk to freaking Rod Rosenstein about whether or not the FBI could investigate this, how long it would take. I mean, it, this whole thing was just steeped with drama. And now Flake, I think, is speaking in New Hampshire tonight. This is like his second appearance. And people are talking about him using this and his insertion into this drama as a potential thing he can run on. In 2020. All right. Uh, we'll keep an eye on this. We'll see if there's any new developments over the course of today, whether they come out of the Senate Judiciary Committee, whatever it is. When we come back. Uh, just a quick note about uh, NAFTA, but uh, we'll talk about the Dodgers as well in their big game today. Gary and Shannon will continue. Shannon, it's Monday. It is October 1st. 
Game 163 today. Milwaukee up over the Cubs, one to nothing in the bottom of the third for that playoff. And then we've got a playoff coming to Dodger Stadium when the Rockies take on the Dodgers. Walker Bueller with the start for the Dodgers. <laughs> Dodgers. The Dodgers. Uh, I, I would just love to see. I'm frustrated that it's gotten. I mean, I really want to get that NL Division 2018 t-shirt. I think it depends on who. I don't think the Dodgers want to play the Brewers. It's just an easy gift idea for my husband because (laughs) his birthday is in October. (laughs) Oh, that's right. And I always get the Dodgers NL Division winning t-shirt. His birthday is like a couple days away from my wife's birthday, isn't it? Yes. She's not going to go for the Dodgers tickets, though. No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I talked to her on the phone this morning because she's uh, away. And she said, it's my birth month. Ooh, birth month. So you have to be nice to her all month. I'm not a bad person. I like beer. I like beer. <laughs> Do all you, right? Senator? Um, yeah. So th- this is, uh, is going to be a huge game today. Although, I mean, they're in the playoffs. They're in the postseason. We know that. The question is, do they go from this playoff game, this yeah, this playoff game, this tiebreaker game today to the division series, or do they go to another one game must win to continue, which would happen tomorrow? I uh, think the scores yesterday were insane. You were pointing out Rockies beat Washington at Coors Field 12 to nothing. Yeah. Uh, the, the Dodgers won 15 zip. Yeah. Some going on with those baseballs. No, I just think that they the the teams this is like an NFL were, score. Teams they were playing could care less. I mean, they didn't. There was nothing. The Brewers except were now playing the NFL the scores are like forty two to forty five, right? And they're all in overtime. And it's insane. Um, we need to stop with our overtime rules. I, I, there's got to be a fix to those. Um, so, but this deal is one o'clock today is when the Dodgers play, and they'll play the Rockies. They host the Rockies, and then the winner goes on to play in the division series to play the winner of the current game, the one that's on right now, the Brewers and the Cubs. The loser will play the loser of today's game wherever that game is. If uh, if Chicago loses, the game will be in Chicago. Milwaukee loses, it'll be in Milwaukee tomorrow. And then the Giants finish the season seventy three and eighty nine. Key injuries: Madison Bumgarner, Posey, Brandon Belt. Traded McCutcheon to the Yankees in late August. It was just a season uh, of of uh, sheer hell. Joe Panic was out for a long time too. Uh, and then Hunter Pence rode off into the sunset last night on the scooter. Did you see that? Did you shed a tear? I did, because uh, I will miss his absolutely non-baseball approach to baseball. Um, Looks like a new GM is going to come in. Yeah, the one I was most, I don't know if sad is the right word, the one I was I feel like should be celebrated was Mike Sosha's tenure as uh, as manager of the Angels. Absolutely. If nothing else, just something longevity. had to change. Something had to change, but, yes. I mean, the respect for that man is... Uh, unquestionable. Incredible baseball mind. Um, And they were also beset with injuries as well this year because if you could uh, just imagine Mike Trout and Shohei Otani in the postseason, that that would be an app. I would watch that movie. There's also just like such a... um... Uh, empty place, and I think Dodgers fans' hearts when they think of what could have been with Mike Sosha, what would have been with Mike Sosha if they had hired him back I, back then. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, tw- you know, and, and- it's like when the Niners drafted Alex Smith instead of Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> what could have been? What, what could have been? Could have been. Hmm.
Anyway, uh, coming up next, we have a couple of California assembly women who are hitting back against the man they groped. Wait a minute. I thought it wasn't supposed to go that way. Is this what we're doing? Yep. Yep. By the way, well, I guess no one is out of the out of the crosshairs anymore. Gary and Shannon will continue right after this. I was trying to trigger you getting into what happened with the Giants this year, and you didn't fall for it. Or you just have I've had my time. emotional stability. Uh, it, had they made any sort of effort this last weekend, yeah. I probably would have put up a fight. But, but you're they gave up out. last week, yeah. so I might as well give okay, up last week. That That's- makes sense. Uh, President Trump saying today he has a very open mind as the FBI looks into allegations of that sexual misconduct against Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. He says, I'm waiting just like you. For the results of the investigation. You mentioned this earlier, speaking of the Kavanaugh thing, that Senator Jeff Flake of Arizona may be using this as sort of a jumping off point for 2020. Uh, Fox News is carrying his comments now. He's in Boston at some event, and he's talking about Judge Kavanaugh. So that this guy has become a central character right. in this fight is uh, is an interesting way because he's, he's done as senator. He said he's not going to run again as a senator. So uh, that may be – that may uh, – be true in terms of him throwing his hat into the ring here. This is this may be his move. Well, we have told you about Daniel Fierro before. Daniel Fierro was a legislative staffer up in Sacramento. He's the one who accused Assemblywoman Christina Garcia of drunkenly groping him at a softball game in Sacramento about four years ago. He has filed a claim against the state now because he says that Christina Garcia and another assemblywoman, Sharon Quirk Silva, have retaliated against him since then. And so he's suing. This is an interesting way to look at this because I uh, the evidence here is that there is another Fullerton City Council candidate, a guy named Ahmed Zara. This claim describes efforts by these two assemblywomen to get Ahmed Zara to fire Fierro as the campaign consultant. So according to this claim, Quirk uh, Silva expressed some concern during a face-to-face meeting back in June that Zara had hired Daniel Fierro and said, we're strong supporters of Christina. And then they said something like, hashtag me too, hashtag I believe her, or whatever. Because remember, she was one of those very, very vocal uh, supporters of the Me Too movement uh, in the state capitol, she and Sharon Quirksilva. So when this allegation came out that Daniel Daniel uh, Fierro was saying that after some uh, after-hour softball game, she was getting all handsy with the batting gloves and putting trying to grab his crotch and his butt, that didn't that didn't jibe well with the image that she was putting out there of uh, being a champion of the Me Too movement. How so, come they're, they're how come how come the FBI isn't looking into this? <laughs> because it she up for re-election anytime soon? Uh, every two years, if she's in the I assembly. I remember where she uh, when she was elected last. Um, but this was the same woman who was having uh, spin the bottle parties in her office yeah, with staffers. This is her. Uh, let me play. This. Oh, 
Excellent move. I'm so glad you got this. Yeah. Blake, give me some sound over here, buddy. And I'm, this is her in the interview that she did where she talks about her favorite words. Oh, I, I, I will be clear. There's nothing, there's no one in politics that doesn't talk about some of the peers we've worked with and we use candid language. Uh, and so along the way, I've used candid language. Uh, I curse. I mean, I've been vocal about some of my favorite words and I don't know if I can see them on the radio. Uh, our and f- no, you can't uh, say I, those on know, the radio. Is, when did what, you, what the hell is this? Who doesn't know who that doesn't you can't know. say those on the radio? It's and it's almost like she wanted to say them on the right. Like she knew she couldn't say them, right. but she wanted to show how much she uses them in everyday language. So it wasn't special that she used them in front of this kid that she's going to swear on the radio. Furthermore, and therefore, why would we want that person representing us in California in Sacramento? Listen, if <laughs> somebody who's playing spin the bottle with kegs in their office, groping people at softball games and talking publicly about their favorite words being S and F. And that's who we hold up as yeah. our representative. That's the person I'm going to send to Sacramento to represent me. Makes zero sense. I mean, the- that's the person you don't want to sit next to at the bar at 2 a.m., let no. alone somebody who you want representing you and what you believe. What Daniel Fierro says is that not only did Sharon Silva. Tell Ahmed Zara to fire him as a political consultant. Said that it would move that move would be in his best political interest. Uh, also said that Quirk Silva said at the meeting to get rid of him. Now Zara Ahmed Zara says yes, she did say to get rid of him, but didn't mention Daniel Fierro. Didn't bring up the sexual harassment claim against Garcia, and has been very quiet ever since. Refuses to answer questions from either the OC Register or the LA Times. Uh, He alleges that he may have lost a PR contract with the ABC Unified School District in Cerritos because of his complaint against Christina Garcia. That that's that's uh, hold on a second. If you can if you can say just to put it in the context of everything that's been engulfing this this country in the last week. If you can say based on testimony from an incident from 36 years ago, hashtag I believe her. Then how come we're not saying to Daniel Fierro? Hashtag, I believe him. I, I'm wondering the exact same thing. We, because we're getting into a dangerous place here where one person's words have more weight than the others. I heard this today, and I heard the context. I want to say this was Alyssa Milano. Um, some high-profile um, Me Too movement uh, woman was suggesting that we're still in a place where a man's words mean more than a woman's words, which does not make any sense. Because if you look at the context of what Dr. Ford said with no corroborating evidence and what Judge Kavanaugh said last week, it's clear that Dr. Ford's words are the ones that have more weight here, that we're giving more credence to her, even though she doesn't have the corroborating evidence or corroborating witnesses. Whereas that Dr. it's not on her to have the corroborating evidence. No, but, or, but what yeah. I'm saying is that that her simply making the yes. allegations yes. that means that those words carry with them a lot of weight. And I think the reason is, is for so many years in he said, she said situations that rise to the level of an investigation or a trial. It is women have been at a disadvantage and it's this whole taking back the power of movement thing. And you're right. Uh, unfortunately for Brett Kavanaugh, he is a victim of that. Is it, isn't there a threat that that pendulum swings too far to the other side? 
If you're a man, well, no, no, yes, I, I, yes but but I'm but I'm and I'm serious. If, I mean, if there are allegations that can be made against me, right? Like some girl fired, can come up and up. say in, in 1992 right. at Chico State, I'd like you to meet your twins. You don't have babies out there, do you? You are tell babies? me. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. I, how would I know? The thing is, if they the allegation itself is enough to ruin a career. I see. Well, if there are twins, you can get the DNA test done. And then Listen, we can put that to bed. I make good-looking kids, so I'm assuming that they would be relatively. Uh, your wife makes good-looking kids. Eh. I mean, uh, okay. Oh, you're saying that you have more weight in the kid making than she does? I'd say it's pretty fifty-fifty, at least at the beginning. <laughs> All right. Yes, you get... she cooked them longer than yeah. I did. But <laughs> do you want to give away? Oh, I'd love to. A thousand dollars. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's BILLS to 200-200. I don't like that you walk me into problems with my wife. I know, and I apologize for that. Uh, They will call you if you win that $1,000 for you and the twins. It might be from a number you don't recognize. you got to answer if you're going to win the $1,000. Another chance to win one hour from now. In fact, every hour through the first hour of the Conway Show, we're giving away $1,000. We've got a guy who assaulted a woman in her home on the west side, and he is a fugitive. We want to tell you all about him because the FBI is looking for this guy now. The FBI. Do you like beer? I like beer. <laughs> The 1230 segment when we get into Swamp Watch, there was another uh, very high-profile woman who came forward over the weekend to say that she had been victimized. She had been a victim of sexual assault. We'll talk about that. Also, uh, rescuers in Indonesia say they pulled a 38-year-old man alive from beneath a collapsed building three days after that earthquake and tsunami that destroyed the city of Palu. The uh, TV stations in Indonesia say that rescuers freed this guy from this finance building that had fallen down. He was conscious, talking to his rescuers as they were working by flashlight. The 842, I think, is the confirmed dead number so far, but that is clearly going to go up, unfortunately. Hey, locally, there was a guy who robbed a bank that led police and deputies on a chase in Orange County this morning. They were able to take over the car using anti-theft technology. Yeah. I love that. And then just turn it off? I hope my car doesn't have that. <laughs> I don't think you're going to. Well, you mean when you're driving. Right. But if the bad guy has it, you hope it does have it. Mm-hmm. Maybe you just change it. Maybe there's a little switch you can flip. So when you're driving, it's And off. I'm leading the cops on a chase. Right. They can't take it you over. You can't catch me, copper. Well, we've got a fugitive to tell you about. guy by the name of Greg Carlson took off while out on bail. He was out on bail on charges of sexually assaulting a woman in her home on the west side. He called the, they call this guy a hot prowl rapist, breaks into people's homes when they're alone or asleep, and then threatens them with a knife or gun and sexually assaults them. Uh, one of these assaults took place in July of last year, July 2017. 
he had burglarized a woman's home, and then when she came home, I guess he waited for her a couple hours to get home. When she came home, that's when he threatened her with a weapon and sexually assaulted her. Um, and they found, using forensics and some other evidence, they arrested him September of last year in connection with that attack. Here's the deal. He gets out on a million dollars bail, puts up his mom's house in South Carolina as collateral, and takes off. He goes then to Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, where his mother lives. And according to FBI agents, he stole a handgun from his stepfather, 75 grand for her, from his mother, and then took off again. He left a note behind saying he was going on the run because he did not believe he would get a fair trial. Left in a Hertz rental car and was next spotted in Hoover, Alabama. Never heard of it. So cops catch up with him, and he leads them on a high-speed pursuit, erratic crazy. It was so crazy that the officers terminated it because of potential danger to the public. Sometimes they do that. Um, You don't see that very often here, though, that's for sure. Um, But obviously, I don't think in Hoover, Alabama, they necessarily have the air resources that we would have at the LAPD. Right. Um, So... They find a license plate reader that captures his uh, license plate in Jacksonville, Florida, and then a few days later in Daytona Beach, Florida. So that's the last known place. But that would have been November of last year that they fa- that, that was the last location they had on this guy. He's been tied to more rapes. There was one in uh, April of 2003 on uh, in the west side there. Also, July 2003, a sexual assault as well. Yes. So, so the big deal is he is now on the FBI's 10 most wanted list because of the seriousness of the crime, because of the fact that they haven't seen uh, a good lead as to where he might be. They think this guy was working as an actor in L.A. That's and, and weird... you know, I look at him and I think Ted Bundy a little bit because he's a good looking guy. Well, I try. I looked up his name in a couple of different databases. I couldn't find anything that he was in uh, of any note. So it doesn't mean he wasn't working but, as an actor. But he can be a, a, a sociopath. Yeah. I mean, not that, not that all actors are sociopaths, but he knows how to play somebody differently from who he is. Just most of them are sociopaths. I guess. I guess that's the. I guess that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you, got, you got that nervous tone in your voice. Wait, I'm not saying that all of them are sociopaths. Just a lot. Of, I mean, not even most, but a lot. Um, yeah. This is so. Uh, FBI is offering a hundred thousand dollars for this guy's capture, and the way they do this, I mean, the uh, Paul Delacourt, the assistant FBI director in charge of the LA office, says he is considered an enemy to the public, and we believe that his violence may escalate. You figure, I mean, how violent he's already been—that's saying something. And uh, Agent Delacourt, or Director Delacourt, I guess my hope is that his photograph will be viewed by many on the internet, on every phone, and every newspaper, and on television sets across the world until he is caught. So they'll find him. They often do. These uh, top ten fugitives get caught doing something stupid. Well, it looks like California wants to go ahead and let a bunch of murderers out. Senate Bill 1437. This is all about prosecutors using the felony murder rule. This was something that was very helpful in locking up and cleaning up the gang problem in Los Angeles. And now they want to let everybody out because oh. that's what we do here. That sounds like we fun. are the land of unicorns and 
second chances and fourth chances and and feelings and feelings. Don't forget, it's 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 not prison's not fun. One hundred and twenty people know? in our state legislature, and everyone has feelings. That's how we get them out. We. You gonna be all right? Calming breaths. That's what I'm. We'll get do. through this Calming together. Calming breaths. Uh, all right, Gary and Shannon will continue in just a few minutes. We're going to be talking about this this latest chance to get murderers out under the new law. So great to live here. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon. Canadian Foreign Minister says that new free, uh, new free trade deal with the U.S. and Mexico is a victory for Canadians. I have to get into this. I think a little bit later when we get into uh, Swamp Watch, we'll talk some more about this new deal that came out of renegotiating NAFTA. The U.S. market accounts for 75% of what Canada exports. So the deal obviously critical for Canada. Yeah. Uh, they start uh, handing out Nobel Prizes. And uh, today, guy guy from Texas, James Allison, learned that he won the Nobel Prize in medicine when his son called him. Uh, University of Texas uh, MD Anderson Cancer Center. He was working with a guy in Japan, and he was in New York for a meeting. The people from the Nobel organization tried to call his cell phone, and they couldn't get a hold of him. That's funny. So he got woken up by his phone, phone at 5.30 in the morning. New York time, his son calling him to tell him you won. Jeff Flake emerging as a big figure in this Kavanaugh hearing debate. He's speaking in New Hampshire today, spoke in Boston earlier, and people are talking about him using this to fuel a potential presidential run. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about California's felony murder rule. Um, the, the felony murder rule in California would allow somebody to be convicted of first-degree murder— even without technically killing anybody. They could be convicted of first-degree murder if somebody died during the commission of their felony, even if the the defendant didn't intend to kill or might not have even known that a homicide took place. This has put, uh, they say there's somewhere between 400, 800 people who are in jail, in prison today, because of the felony murder rule in California. Well, not after January 1st, SB 1437, authored by Senators Nancy Skinner, Berkeley Democrat, Joel Anderson, Republican from Alpine. This new law says that a person can only be convicted of felony murder if they directly assist with the homicide or if they were a major participant in the underlying felony and acted with reckless indifference to human life. They say that this is... Uh, uh unfairly affecting women, young people, and minorities. A survey this year found that 72% of women serving a life sentence for felony murder in California did not commit the homicide. Interesting that they're using these women's stats, isn't it? Because well, women, uh, you can do no wrong, apparently. Uh, you can you can kill someone uh, while you're robbing them. But you can't put a woman in jail. Uh, and, and now you can get a free pass. Um that that only makes perfect sense that it would directly impact women more than it would men. Men are more likely to kill somebody. And women are unfortunately less likely to commit the actual felony or – I mean they could be participants in the felony, but they're not going to kill somebody. Can I please have some sad music? Why? What? Well, because 
you know, there's always sob stories in, in these articles about people who have been unfairly punished by the mean man of California. Because uh, there's a, a story in here about uh, Bobby Garcia. Oh, They're my. holding Bobby up as their pedestal person. Tell me about Bobby. Well, Bobby Garcia served 21 years in prison and lobbied for this legislation. He cheered its approval on Sunday, saying it would help thousands of young people. You see, Bobby was in the ninth grade when he and four teenage friends robbed a man for gas money on their way to a party in North Hollywood. Hours after the incident, police pulled Bobby Garcia and his friends over and took them to the station where they learned that the man they robbed was stabbed during the robbery. Garcia says he punched the man but was not involved in the killing. It must have been his friends. I mean, he was waiting in the car. If you're going to run around with people who have knives and you're robbing people for money, right? You, it's on you. No, 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 it's not his it fault. It is on you. It's not his fault. He said it's not his fault. He said, uh, the prisons it, are you, filled with people who was not their fault. Well, you're callous because you don't understand where he came from. He came from a neighborhood where that was a thing. That was what you do. Uh, the, oh, that's what you do. You you yeah. uh, you rob people and stab them and punch them. You assault them. Yeah. For their money. For money. Because that's just a that's just the trend. Yeah. I I don't get this. Like I, I don't understand it's, it's how it's a trend to you know uh, go to dim sum if you live in the San Gabriel Valley. Here's, so same same kind of thing. Here's a guy. Like yeah. he came from a part of town where dim sum wasn't the thing on weekends. Not a thing. You just don't. It's do uh. It's it's. Punching and stabbing people for money. Right. Got it. Because you're on your way to a party. Yeah, every neighborhood's different. Everyone's got their thing. Jim Cooper is an assemblyman out of Elk Grove. And I, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, Jim Cooper was a sheriff's sergeant in the Sacramento County Sheriff's Department before he became a politician. And he would, he was the mo- one of the most down-to-earth, bare-bones guys when it came to explaining how law enforcement dealt with whatever they were dealing with. So he was a pleasure to work with from a reporter standpoint because he wasn't going to hold back, and he would tell you how it was. And if you needed to be smacked about the head and neck, he would do just that. He says he absolutely hates this new this new plan. He says this is way too lenient on willful participants in crime. That is a right. key. You have to remember that. This is not somebody who was, you know, uh, uh, Bobby and Susie go out for dinner one night, and Bobby's like, hey, wait in the car for one second. He goes into a gas station, shoots and kills the guy while he's robbing the gas station, comes out, and Susie has no idea what's going on. That's not who we're talking about. We're talking about Susie who's at the – she's driving and says, "I'll I'll keep the car running while you go inside and rob that guy. That's who we're talking about, willing participants in these crimes. And this is way too lenient on it. He says, uh, I don't know why people don't think about this when they're legislators. What if it was your family member who was lying there dead? Why can't you legislate personally? Why can't I? And I've said this, you can't legislate on feelings. But if you have a feeling that this is going to impact your family or your neighborhood or your community or whatever, how is it that this makes sense to you in the legislature? This means 
that, you know, and, and here's the other thing. I could under, I, I can't understand, but I can see them wanting to change the rule. But when you retroactively change something, right. That's- that means that makes no sense to me because these inmates were the number i had between 400 and 800 they can now apply for resentencing as well and that is a terrifying thing because now you've got the willing participants in these crimes that ended in someone's death potentially being allowed back out oh why (laughs) shouldn't there be a one sorry bang my head on the microphone shouldn't there be one Way into jail, like the door in. Isn't it just nuts? That door should be bigger than the door on the backside that says out. I, absolutely. I mean, think about how slippery slope this state has gone. You know, ten, five, ten years ago, we're talking about letting out people because it's overcrowded. So you're letting out the the the, the, the people that low level felonies and right. things like that. And then you go to Prop 57 and all of, and all of that, and now you're letting out people that have raped people. You know, more of the serious ve- uh, felony, war- you know, wobbler between serious felony like murder and rape and all that stuff, and then and then not. And now we're literally letting out murderers. Yes. Yes, I don't know if it's good for law enforcement or bad no, for law enforcement. No, this is the worst it's time good to for be law a cop or a because, prosecutor. But hey, your your job is secure. Like you're always going to find yeah, work but, as but a cop have, in California. You, what now. power do you have to put away people when they're going to be let out? Uh, what's what was her name? The, you see him the next day. Uh, Leslie Zarebny was that her name? The the officer that was Palm killed Springs, in yeah. Palm Springs. Mm-hmm. She told her dad a couple weeks ago before a couple weeks before she was shot and killed. I I, I can't even lock these people up because they, they laugh at me. I arrest them and they laugh at me because they know that they'll be turned loose. It's like the old uh, the old Wiley Coyote cartoon where. They just go at it every day, clock in, clock out, and they just go back at it Then the same day, next day, I mean. And it's going to be that same way. You're going to put one guy in jail, next morning he's going to be out. All right, got to talk about these gender reveal parties. They're getting out of hand. I've done one I mean, of they're, those. They're starting wildfires. Oh, I didn't do that. I did not start a wildfire. You didn't do that? No. Do you like beer? I like beer. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, if I am 1-800-SAN. I don't think it was Brett Kavanaugh. No? I liked beer. <laughs> um, there, there is a uh, a new trend. Well, I don't know how new it is. I guess my daughter, 16s, we, we did a gender reveal thing with, with her. It's gotten out of hand. That's the thing is it's crazy now. You I don't mean, have to involve it, I mean, wildlife or, or uh, airplanes. You don't people need People are spending a lot of money, too, on these reveal parties. Like all, it's a whole, like you need another event. In California, I would imagine that gender reveal parties are going to get frowned upon. Like, why does it matter? Oh, you why does know it what? matter what gender it is? How do you know what gender the baby is? Because you haven't met the you baby. Haven't, you haven't let you the, don't know the baby. You haven't let them identify. It's like when we got ping pong the, the stuffed lemur for right. the office, we were very strict with people when they came in and they were like, oh, he's so cute. We said, no, 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 no. Yeah. We just met this lemur. We don't know where his gender is We're not at. assigning pronouns yet. Absolutely not. And that, I think, is going to be 
the, the, the pushback on these gender reveal parties eventually. But there, oh, did you see there was one about in Louisiana, a guy brought out a live alligator at the wife's gender reveal party and put a watermelon in the alligator's mouth. And the alligator went too far. Chomps down on the on the watermelon and blue jello squirts out. Too far. Very far. Dennis Dickey is a border patrol agent. He was off duty when he was celebrating his wife's pregnancy at a party near Green Valley, Arizona. This was in April of last year. And he had filled a target with colored powder. So when it exploded, it would reveal their child's sex. Obviously, pink for a girl, blue for a boy in this case. The target also contained tannerite. This is legal, but it's a highly explosive substance. Yeah, it'll... It... <laughs> I'm trying to think of how to describe this. All it does is make it very clear when you hit your target. It blows up. So it's not like a paper target or even a clay pigeon or something like that. You're hanging out of a tree. This thing will blow up with a high-velocity round. So he takes aim at the target and fires, and it blew up and then went on to spark a fire that quickly spread through dry brush. There was a lot of high winds at the time, not a lot of rainfall soaked in, and by the time the fire was finally contained, the sawmill fire had done $8 million worth of damage. I hate, by the way, I absolutely hate the Washington Post for this story. You know why? They never tell us what the sex of the kid is. Bastards. They never tell us. They tell us about his $8 million fire. They tell us about this guy shooting uh, explosive targets in the middle of a dry field on a high, windy day. But we don't get the gender reveal about the story of the gender reveal. I'm so frustrating. Here, you tell this story because I'm going to find out what this baby is. Right now. Um, right he now. immediately, there's there's nothing, I mean, outside of the, hey, don't shoot exploding things in a very dry area with high winds. Outside of that, he immediately reported the, the fire to law enforcement. He admitted that he was responsible for it. He was charged with violating Forest Service regulations by causing a fire without a permit, which is just a misdemeanor. And the U.S. Attorney's Office announced that he had pleaded guilty. Um <laughs> Dickey and his attorney couldn't be reached as of late last night to confirm whether the baby was a boy or a girl. It's not uh, anywhere. Ah! I'm, I'm, like, I'm like scrubbing the Internet to find out. Here's what I wonder happened. What if they don't want to say what the gender is because the baby doesn't identify as the gender that was revealed? Maybe she gave birth to a genderbred person. Mm-hmm. As part of his agreement, he is going to um, get a starring role in public service announcements created with the U.S. Forest Service. Uh, he'll spend five years on probation. He has agreed to pay restitution, totaling, catch this, $8,188,069. He wow. is on the hook and has agreed to wow. pay all of it, he says. Wow. Now, whether he'll actually pay is different. He did make, according to the U.S. Attorney's Office, he did make an initial payment of $100,000 and then has been making monthly payments after that. That he has agreed in court to pay $500 a month for the next 20 years, which comes up very far short of the $8 million. It would only be about $120,000 at that point. So, and then no discussion what would happen after the 20 years. So, and, and if he, he has, he does keep his job uh, with the Border Patrol because this had nothing to do with his job, but... 
no idea if they had a boy or a girl. You know, that's, that's a that's a that's a that's a journalism failure right there. No one can track down you the gender of this baby. You couldn't just call the Dickies. You couldn't call a neighbor and said, "Hey, what color is the baby's room?" And they go green. If anybody knows Dennis Dickey and knows what this baby popped out to be, well, no, reach I, out. I think we have to pump the brakes on that deciding what the baby was. Because, again, the baby needs to make the decision about what gender they want to identify as with pronoun-y stuff. It's noon. On the Gary and Shannon Show, we get you caught up with everything everyone's talking about everywhere when we come back. wrong is that tiebreaker games are not supposed to be tied tie game right now absolutely they're supposed to be tied milwaukee and chicago (laughs) it's gonna kill people they're gonna die of heart attacks in chicago and milwaukee i mean the brats in milwaukee are you kidding sucking down a couple of those and some beers and you're trying to watch this game Bottom of the seventh inning is tied 1-1. The winner of this game, by the way, of Milwaukee Brewers-Chicago Cubs will take on the winner of the Colorado Rockies-LA Dodgers game, which takes place at the uh, top of next hour. At least it's uh, first pitch scheduled for, I think, nine after one. Because, you know, nine. What a wild set of events. It's great. I think this is... There's 162 games, and there were four teams tied. Yeah. That's insane. I love it. And it would have been even worse had three teams tied. Like, Arizona hadn't right. fallen apart, and you had three teams that tied for the division. Then you'd have to play two full games. You assign It doesn't matter. There's just, but There's just one problem. Arizona always falls apart. It's what they do. It's who they are. What else is going on? Time for What's Happening. Well, the big trending stories today are led by... Las Vegas, the hashtag Vegas strong. I even saw hashtag Vegas stronger today to mark the one year anniversary of the guy who shot and killed 58 people and wounded hundreds more in the deadliest mass shooting in modern American history. And we still don't know why. Just a terrifying. It's a terrifying thing that we can't ascribe a motive to this guy, that we can't have some way of figuring out why he would be capable of doing it. And everybody everybody kept saying, you know, was it mental illness? I think killing 58 people and wounding hundreds of others yes. definitely qualifies you for a mental health diagnosis. Right. You just don't know what set him off to actually go forth with it. Uh, a sunrise ceremony was held at 6.30 this morning at the Clark County Government Amphitheater. They had speakers, singers, 58 seconds of silence to honor the victims of the tragedy. The message from speakers today was one that really focused on the positive aspects of the hellish aftermath. One of the survivors saying, some days are hard, some days some of the survivors are barely holding it together. Some days there are little moments of victory, and we all came together because we love country music, but after October 1st, we became a family. I don't know if they've done anything with that with that patch of land where the uh, the concert was taking place. They just have it fenced off. That's it? It's Mm -hmm. not open to anybody? Yep. Um, 
So it's been an entire year since they've had that. Uh, The other big story is the Indonesian quake and tsunami. Rescuers are still struggling to reach victims. They pulled a 38-year-old guy out of a collapsed building. It's been three days since this earthquake and tsunami, and about 840 people confirmed dead. Uh, The images coming out of there are unbelievable. Their bodies covered in blue and yellow tarps that line the streets of Palu so that they're digging a mass grave for a few hundred of those people. Part of it is because... There is there are health reasons. You can't just have dead bodies lying around. Um, and the second issue is that the majority of people in Indonesia are Muslim, and their religion calls that they be buried within 24 hours of death. If I mean, if possible, but as soon as possible after death. So that the death toll 840 plus and is going to go up. Unfortunately, Kanye West is causing more upsetment on Twitter. Uh, he first of all had a speech on SNL about President Trump. I did not see that. Well, it was, it was after the show was done airing. What do you oh, mean? so it was like to the studio audience, but not mm-hmm. on TV. Oh, I see. Got yeah, it. Chris see. Rock videoed it. Okay, so uh, I don't know what he said during that. He said, I support Trump. Got it. And then he takes to social media to talk about the 13th Amendment, the 13th Amendment that abolished slavery. And he says something to the effect of we will no longer outsource to other countries. We build factories here in America and create jobs. We'll provide jobs for all who are free from prisons as we abolish the 13th Amendment. Message sent with love. Mm. And then everybody lost their mind. Um, I'm not a giant fan of Lana Del Rey, but she responded in comments. Uh, She said, Trump becoming our president was a loss for the country, but your support of him is a loss for the culture. Ouch. He, by the way, is trying to get Colin Kaepernick to the White House. Apparently, Kanye has called (laughs) Colin Kaepernick, wants to take him to D.C. for a special meeting with the president, of course, who has been very critical of Colin Kaepernick. He wants them to sit down and work out all their issues. 2018, (laughs) guys. That'll do it. What are we doing? By the way, that I would watch. Pay-per-view, I would watch that meeting. In Encinitas, the little 13-year-old kid... Diving for lobsters, that a thing? It was when the first were, day of lobster season. When you were, oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Didn't know there was such a thing, in all honesty. But I get it. Diving for lobsters, an 11-foot shark came and said, you look good. He was bitten multiple times by this shark. Three good Samaritans rushed to his aid, took him to shore on a kayak. He was airlifted and is in serious condition, but said to make a full recovery. I hope he keeps his arm. I mean... Well, it was it. he was bitten here, Up like shoulder, clavicle, area? front and back side here. of his torso. He was bitten here. Here, it's radio. And then apparently, <laughs> it even the teeth caught his cheek. Ah, yeah. I've got bad news about six-year-old Maddox Rich. We told you about Maddox last week, the autistic kid who went missing when he was on a walk with his dad. They have found his body there uh, in a creek in North Carolina. I I'm, sure hope this is an accident. Hundreds of people searched for this kid, and uh, there's still questions. Remember, he went with his dad in this park where they would go before. He Dad says the kid ran ahead, and he panicked and couldn't find him. Uh, I know the Denise Huskins rule is to not jump to conclusions, but... That's why I said. You always look to the people closest 
when it's, you've got the murder of a child. I hope like that's an accident. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, Cardi B is trending. I don't know if you've seen this. Cardi B was at a little dust-up at a New York strip club. What? This is fresh off her Nicki Minaj dust-up at Fashion Week. She received a summons in connection with the fight at that strip club called Angels mm. uh, back on August 29th. A couple of women there um, said that Cardi was the one who ordered an attack on Jade and Batty G, the twin bartenders at Angels. If you're if you have a twin sister, I love rap battles, don't you? If you have a twin sister and she says to you, it's like uh her name would be Sharon. If Sharon says, "Hey Shannon, I I got a lead on a great job for us. We're going to be bartenders at a strip club." And you go, "You know what? You do you do your thing. You do you, but I'm going to stay out of it." You know, there is a stri- – this just got me thinking about this. There is a bar in Atlanta. It's called the Claremont, I think. And all the women who work there, they're, they're topless for the most part. And they're all uh, upwards, the part? upwards of 65. That's not a true story. It's a true story. I've been there. Uh, I believe I had a Pabst Blue Ribbon. I was just going to turn and Google that, mm-hmm. but I've decided against it. I believe it's called the Claremont. Let me Google. I don't think that's a good idea. It's like a tourist destination. Right. Yeah, the Claremont Lounge. The sisters claimed that Cardi believed Jade slept with her husband, Offset, who was performing at the club that night, and ordered her staff to throw bottles and chairs at them. That sounds like a nice nice rap battle. <clears throat> Blondie. Yes. Is called the Queen of Claremont. She's been there for 35 years. And you said, for the most part, they're topless. Yeah, I didn't. You know what? I I actually felt very uncomfortable. I can't do strip clubs. Uh, So I went, I I walked in. I was like, okay, I get it. And then I walked out to the outside area. Uh, It's troubling to me. Any (laughs) woman in any state of undress for work is sad, even if she's 74. And she still got it. Do they? I don't. I don't know. I've never not, been there. Not from what I remember. All right. So uh, when we come back, we're going to get into our gas fantasy foreplay. Interesting announcement about that coming back. And how about this? Got a stack of a thousand dollars. Here's how you're going to win it. Your shot at one thousand dollars now. Text the keyword cash to 200, 200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's cash to 200, 200. Got to answer that phone when they call you. You got another chance an hour from now to win a thousand bucks. And you got a chance to win a thousand bucks every hour all the way up through that first hour of the Conway Show. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. I'm on fire. I'm a fireball. Fireball. I have a nugget of news to tell you about. Real fun. Yes. What? University of Manchester. Manchester, England, England, across the Atlantic Sea. Yes. 
clapping has been banned at the University of Manchester Students' Union events. Why is that? Bless you. To avoid triggering anxiety and to improve accessibility. The students are instead encouraged to use jazz hands to express their support. What's jazz hands? Is it just this? Yeah, it could be like this. Or it could be this. Well, is or it this? like my hands stay, my wrists and elbows stay stationary, and I just wiggle my hands back and forth? Yeah, you could do that. Because that's if you're if you're hearing to, impaired, that's to, how we used to call it in cheer camp spirit fingers. But that's the, just the finger wiggles, right? My, that uh, could be triggering. My fifth grade teacher, we did like a variety of ones. <laughs> we know we did the we did jazz hands was one of them. We did give them a hand. You just like put your hand in the air. We did golf clap. We did round. Where was this? Fifth grade. Okay. So, How long ago was that? Fifth grade. Um, so three years at least? I did, I did, I did 16 years ago. Okay. All right. So you still did you it. like beer? No. Are you I was, sure I you didn't? I think a lot of people liked beer. I liked beer. Yes. I still like beer. I still like beer. Well, another wild weekend in the NFL. Was it? Uh, No, not really. I mean, it was crazy what's going on with Cleveland. Can we You please? know, Cleveland's... Uh, Lost a game, it lost two games, but forced them both into overtime, I believe. How about the Buffalo fans thinking last week that they had something in Josh Allen no. and then what? realizing, oh, that's right. He's it's Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. Bless their hearts. <laughs> I guess optim- I think that's what's so fantastic about sports is that early in the season, you still have optimism. And any oh, glimpse yeah. of, of positivity, you're like, this is it. Right. This is our year. Yes. Like yesterday with the Chargers Niners. I mean, it's C.J. Beathard was forecast to just go out there and crap the bed. Right. And he actually put together some nice-looking drives. He kept the sheets pretty clean for yeah. a while there. Right. And then and then decided to take a header. <laughs> it was as if he took his pads off and said, hit me right here in my sternum. I don't know what he was thinking. But anyway, the Chargers come, come away with a victory. So that's excellent news. Next week, the Raiders come to town. The Ra- God, Carr yesterday. What, what what did he end up? Two interceptions? Three interceptions? Two. Four four touchdowns, two interceptions? That's not a good You just don't know what you're going to get with him. Yeah. He has a skill set. It's just a matter of if he, he, push, he forces stuff. The often. irony, though, of them playing the Cleveland Browns and looking more like the Cleveland Browns than the even Cleveland Browns looked, yeah. that was frustrating. But they fought back, and they haven't done that all year, so... That's what's good because they've led every single game either at half or at some point in the third quarter, and they've just like given, given it, away it away in the fourth. Up to that game, they were outscored thirty-seven to three in the fourth quarter. Wow! <laughs> so the fact that they actually did something in the fourth quarter is what was pretty amazing. And John Gruden gets his first victory there. You know what? We've if. got a we've got a listener who went perfect four and zero back to back weeks in our gas fantasy four play. That's pretty crazy. Because none of us, in the four weeks that we've played, none of us have gone 4-0 yet. No. Not yet. That's not what we do. Uh. At, at Ash underscore 274 picked all four games correctly on Twitter two weeks in a row. Big hand to Nick, though. He doubled his win total this week. Thank you. Nick's 2-13 and 13 on the year. Yeah. Doubled that win total. Low and steady. Listen, Nick's watched negative four football games. I don't think we should be hard on him. Um... There's nothing wrong. Nick. Yeah. You you know what you could do is you could look up who's favored. 
that might be a nice little roadmap for you. Do you know you. what he did this past week? <laughs> I asked him, I was like, hey, what are your picks? And he goes, just write me down for whatever Gary picks. Now I feel like Nicholas, you're giving that's up. Okay, not the well, way we do this. Just do a little cursory research on on ESPN you could literally or just something. Pick whatever ESPN picks. Exactly. Yeah. This was a weird week because of our suspe- because of our days oh, off. Thank you. So, I know what you could do. How? What? You could. Well, I mean that we didn't get. Usually when we pick, we do rent, like you pick first, and then yeah. me and then normally Nick I and the just chin. eeny meeny miny mo it. Right. You could pick based on which mascot you enjoy more. That's fun. That actually leads to some some interesting choices. Hey, Does if it? nothing else, you would be you would be seven and eight or eight and seven. It would at least be fifty fifty. Sure, it's like picking so. C on a multiple choice exam. Right. The <laughs> average. Uh, all right, when we come back, we're going to get into Swamp Watch. Check out what's going on in Washington D.C. Specifically. Uh, some of the NAFTA stuff that we found out about today. Yeah, what's the difference between NAFTA and what is now and USMCA? Yusmaka. 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 Carrie and Shannon. <laughs> Amy King is our biggest fan. <laughs> Thank you, Amy. Shannon. Well, the White House is authorizing the FBI to expand its investigation into the sexual misconduct allegations against Brett Kavanaugh. The expansion comes with one condition. Get this thing done. The review must be finished by the end of this week. On the uh, White House lawn today, the president saying he wants the FBI to do a comprehensive investigation and interview who they want within reason. By the way, at one um, twenty today, Rick Klein, the political director for ABC News, is going to join us. We're going to talk more about the politics that have surrounded the whole Kavanaugh, uh, the Kavanaugh hearings, Jeff Flake's deal that he made to ask for the investigation in exchange for a vote. The FBI has not yet contacted Dr. Christine Ford. I mean, that would be where you go, right? That would be one of the first people but to I wonder get this thing off the ground. They, I mean, they've got the names of the other people that she says were in the in the house at the time. I wonder if they're going there first. Maybe. And we'll do maybe. her last. Yeah. We'll see. Well, after 14 months of talks between the United States and Mexico and Canada, it looks like we have a new trade agreement. It's got a different name, though. NAFTA is out in Usmaka. Usmaka. Usmaka is in. Usmaka. Mark Remillard is joining us. Mark, hey, hey, what's going on here? What what are some of these differences between NAFTA and USMCA? Hey, yeah, uh, 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 however you want to say it, uh, USMCA or USMCA, I guess you could say. But uh, the the deal uh, does retain a lot of uh, the NAFTA provisions, but uh, in a way does update some things uh, from intellectual property protections uh, for a new modern era because NAFTA is. 24 years old. Uh, but the other big uh, headlines out of this uh, new trade agreement involve uh, differences in the auto industry, um, which basically will require that manufacturers source more parts from North America and they pay uh, higher wages. Uh, and then it will also uh, open up some agricultural changes for uh, for the U.S., uh, opening up the door for uh, dairy producers in the U.S. to get access, more access into Canadian markets. And so uh, it opens the door for some different trade deals, of course, on uh, on this front between the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. Uh, but really what it looks to be doing is setting up a template for uh, negotiations between the U.S.
U.S. Uh, and, and Asia-Pacific. Uh, President Trump, as we know, withdrew from the, the TPP, the Trans-Pacific uh, Partnership, uh, and basically uh, this could be setting up the way that President Trump uh, and, and his administration look to negotiate and, and rein in possibly uh, the deficits and, and the issues that the U.S. has with China. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau had opposed this deal until very recently. Why did he change his mind? Was something added or subtracted to do that? Yeah, I think there were two big things. Uh, the one is the, is the dairy farms. Uh, the uh, Canadian government wanted to certainly protect its dairy industry, uh, which is uh, I've seen some reports saying roughly sixteen sixteen billion dollars uh, for them. So that's an important industry, and what they basically agreed to do was open that up to about three and a half percent of that sixteen billion. Uh, the U.S. now can uh, can get into uh, more effectively. Uh, so that's one sticking point. Uh, uh, then the other big thing is how disputes are handled between countries. Uh, there's a provision in NAFTA, it's called Chapter 19, and it basically says that if there's a dispute between countries, they go before a, a panel, an expert panel made up of representatives of all three countries, and then they kind of decide the outcome. Uh, the U.S. didn't like that, and President Trump didn't like that because he said it effectively uh, took down our sovereignty as a nation to enact tariffs and changes as we see fit. Uh, but the Trump administration decided to leave that provision in there, which I think uh, for, from a Canadian perspective is key because uh, the president has the ability to, uh, you know, put tariffs on things and make changes. And you can see the big difference between President Trump and President Obama, for example. And so it gives the country a little bit more security or, or uh, you know, certainty into the way that they can handle disputes. Now, does, oh, go ahead. Does the president get the win on this? I mean, because when, when we announced that there was a deal with Mexico, Everyone lost their collective minds because that means that NAFTA was dead and we weren't going to have a deal with Canada and that we're, we were still weeks away from a deadline at that point. But it kind of kind of gets the win here, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, in a way, absolutely, because you have NAFTA, uh, which, which remember, this is uh, very much the building blocks of NAFTA, uh, which remain. Um, and although he's called that, as, although President Trump has called that one of the worst trade deals ever, uh, the very building blocks of that deal are still in place. Uh, but it's updated. Um, it opens up, um, you know, it continues, certainly the uncertainty that you're talking about there. When the U.S. hit a deal with Mexico back in August and you didn't have Canada involved in that, that uh, throws, you know, a wrench into the system that's been in place for 24 years. Now you have this uh, accord again between these three major economies that many companies over the past 24 years have utilized the provisions of NAFTA to uh, run their businesses. This is why you see automakers, for example, uh, like Ford and GM, producing cars in Mexico and in Canada and importing them into the U.S. That that was possible uh, in large part because of NAFTA. And so having this agreement agreement between these three countries uh, is is very important. Um, and then, again, uh, this is all based on the fact, though, that Congress still has to pass this. So uh, the W here may be uh, have an asterisk until this is actually passed in Congress. Uh, but beyond that, again, the template as to whether or not this allows, uh, you know, the, the trading pattern um, in Asia, uh, that could be significant because you have 11 countries that are part of that TPP that the U.S. withdrew from, and those are all countries that uh, will, may be willing to make concessions to get access back into our 
market uh, and the U.S. market, which is so dominant. And so uh, that could be uh, another big win coming down the road, too, if, uh, if the negotiations work out there. About that congressional approval, what's the timetable? Because as you mentioned, we're heading into midterm territory. And if the Democrats mm-hmm. take back the, uh, the House, it could be right. That asterisk right. could come into play. <laughs> That's right. And the uh, Democrats have signaled, uh, at least uh, for now, they want to certainly scrutinize this. And these trade deals are hundreds of pages, thousands of pages. So there's a lot to digest here. And I think even as we're speaking now, other th- aspects of this deal are being digested or, or, or looked at. And so the Democrats say they certainly want to look at that. Uh, but, you know, when you have something like, let's say, the dairy uh, issue, the more American dairy farmers have access to the Canadian markets. Well, you know, that may uh, go well for a a Democratic congressman who represents uh, people who have, uh, you know, a dairy farm. And so that uh, that's a way that Democrats can get on board with this. This also focused uh, on labor issues. Uh, You know, you've got uh, higher wages for auto manufacturers because they have to be made by uh, or a certain percentage of the car has to be made by people making $16 an hour or more. So there's provisions in this that benefit labor. There's also provisions that benefit the business. And so those could be uh, ways that Democrats uh, get on board with this. But again, uh, the timetable for this not going to happen by midterm. Uh, It looks like it may be uh, up for approval next year. So if the Democrats do flip the House or any chamber of Congress uh, or Congress, excuse me, that could uh, make things more difficult. Mark, thank you. Great work. Thank you. Mark Remillard there with the latest on uh, this new deal that will replace NAFTA called USMCA or, as they say in Canada, USMCA. When we come back, we'll continue our swamp watch. We'll continue our swamp watch discussion. We have um, the Kanye West thing that he was at Saturday Night Live and delivered a pretty pro-Trump deal, and people booed him. Melania Trump is on a big overseas trip leaving today, and then another member of the administration comes out and admits that she was a, uh, a victim of sexual assault. We'll talk about that when we come back. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM six forty. Just like Shannon. Uh, Monday, it is October 1st. Big stories that we have followed, of course, the chaos that has uh, engulfed Washington, D.C. over the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation. We know that the FBI is investigating and has been talking to people um, at the, I guess, right after we give away some money next hour, we are going to talk with uh, the political director at ABC News, a guy named Rick Klein. We've spoken to him a couple of times before. We're going to talk about the politics that surround this confirmation now, especially considering uh, Jeff Flake's agreement. Jeff Flake seems to have found uh, a way to make this about him. Yeah. And maybe provide a little fuel for a 2020 run because he was the one who seemed – because Jeff Flake is at odds with Trump, right? Been critical of him. And Kavanaugh's a Trump guy. He went – Full all in with his Trumpness during that hearing when he was calling out Democrats and the Clintons and everything, right? Except for the beer part, but yeah. Except for the beer part, but yeah. 
And so everyone's eyes kind of landed on Jeff Flake. What's he going to do? Is he going to vote to confirm? And he said that he was going to vote to confirm. And then women were accosting him in the elevator saying, we were victims of sexual assault. You're telling us that we don't matter. And somehow he changes his mind. He finds himself in a phone booth. Yes, they still exist on Capitol Hill on his cell phone calling Rod Rosenstein, by the way, to ask him about how this FBI investigation would work and can they get it done in a week and the whole bit. Now people are saying as he's going on the speaking circuit, he was in Boston this morning at a Forbes Under 30 event. He's going to be in New Hampshire, the battleground of New Hampshire, uh, later today. If he's going to use this somehow to propel a campaign. if he, it, it's, it's, a, it's definitely a jumping off point for 2020. It could be for him. Um, in that same vein, Kellyanne Conway was on with Jake Tapper yesterday morning talking about the political discussion around sexual assault allegations, specifically against Judge Kavanaugh. And she said on State of the Union yesterday, I feel very empathetic, frankly, for victims of sexual assault and sexual harassment and rape. That I'm a victim of sexual assault. I don't expect Judge Kavanaugh or Jake Tapper or Jeff Flake or, or anybody to be held responsible for that. It's an interesting comment. Well, because they didn't do it. Right. And but that's but that, I think that's what her argument is, that that Brett Kavanaugh is not the guy who did this to Doc to uh, Christine Blasey Ford back when she was previous. Well, it's Kellyanne Conway doesn't know that. She does. More than anyone else. Well, and, and then that's the that's another issue that comes up is how are we going to determine whether or not something happened? That that hashtag. Bel- uh, I believe her. Yeah, there's a there's a. Slight discrepancy there. I think they should. I think she has to be listened to. Anybody who comes out and claims that they had been assaulted uh, in any way like that, anything clo- resembling this, they have to be listened to. But I. But I don't. Well, know. I think you mean they. She was very believable. That it's it, it's very. A real to believe that a sexual assault happened to her, but if you weren't in the room, how do you believe her that it was Brett Kavanaugh? Yeah, yes, thank you. That's yes, but you have to listen to her. I mean, it's it, it would it's incumbent upon every one of us to listen to someone who's going to come out with an accusation like that. But we don't have the ability to determine whether or not that actually happened the way she said it happened. But I don't. I mean, you saw her. She's she's had some serious. Um, S go down in her life just based on the way she was acting on that uh, on Thursday. Yeah, she see, and I said it earlier. She seems like she was stunted at 15 years old from this assault. That she did not uh, grow very much emotionally, and you know that voice of hers does not it it, it, it crystallizes that that thought in my mind. And if um, you, she just seems very almost childlike. And and to me, that was embarrassing. The Democrats put her in a position. To do that, to, she wanted this thing done confidentially. She did not want to be there. She did not want that pressure. And Diane Feinstein, and the way she handled that thing, she could have turned it over to the FBI, given it to them for their background check of this guy months ago, and didn't. And that, to me, was was one of the the issues that never really got talked about on Thursday. Kanye West had the entire cast of SNL standing behind him on stage. Many of them rolling their eyes in the clips. And he just started this rambling uh, talk. 
began with him singing, I want to cry right now. Black man in America supposed to keep what you're feeling inside right now. Talking about the Democrats and the Democratic plan. Saying things like, there's so many times I talk to like a white person about this and they say, how could you like Trump? He's racist. This, this is, I'm not sure the great quality on here, but you can hear some of what he's saying. You know, it's like the plan they did uh, to take the fathers out of the home and promote welfare. Does anybody know about that? That's a democratic plan. All right. Now you got a situation where... Yeah, we'll dump that. that. Um, so it turns out that the people in the background are raising their hands to the air like, what is... What's happening? What is Kanye doing? What did doing? they think was going to happen? I'm. This is uh, this is what Kanye does. Mm. Melania is going. Thank you. On uh, a trip to Africa, her first big solo international trip. I like how they say that. Like she, like like Melania is packing her bags and going by herself on a on a plane to Africa. <laughs> She's gonna have about. A lot of people with her. Uh, her Five, sorry, go ahead. Her, her first extended turn, they're saying, on the world stage. Um, she's traveled with the president basically every major trip he's taken overseas. I think the one that she didn't was the one to uh, Singapore where he met with uh, Kim Jong-un. But other than that, she's been basically with all of them. She, and she could work as a translator for the White House. She is trying to make child well-being the focus of this five-day four-country tour. So there you go. There's your Melania update. All right. We come back. We're going to talk about Elon Musk because uh, Tesla shares went back up today after uh, Elon Musk was booted out as the uh, CEO. Booted out. Chairman resigned. of the board. He's still CEO, right? Uh, yes, I think you're right. Chairman. Uh, now, this is something that I said should have happened a while ago, but because the SEC wanted to fine him, I think it was $40 million. It's because they, they don't listen to the show live. They listen to the podcast. Oh, so, so the they were, timing they were playing of it. catch up. Got it. Mm-hmm. That'll do. Gary and Shannon will continue right after this. Girl, you got the fever, killing in your Levi's. High on your love has got me buzzing like a streetlight. It's still early out in Cali, baby. Don't you want to rally again? The White House has issued revised guidance to the FBI that agents can interview anyone they deem relevant as part of their investigation of Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. President Trump ordering the FBI to reopen the background investigation Friday. The uh, the guidance included this. Get this done within the week. <laughs> I wonder if or how they can do that. I mean, they're going to be, I think Democrats said they had 24 names they wanted the FBI. I mean, it's the FBI gets to figure out who is important and who is not in terms of how they do that. But they were 24 people that they said should be interviewed. That'd be wild, wouldn't it? You get a phone call. This is the FBI. We want to talk to you about the summer of 1982. This is the FBI. Do you like beer? Um, the other uh, the story that happened over the weekend that was uh, international that has gained a lot of attention is in Palu, Indonesia, the city that was probably most severely damaged by that strong earthquake and then tsunami. A bunch of people there have been trying to save people who have been trapped 
when these houses collapse and the mud and debris from the tsunami, they're talking about just not having enough heavy equipment there to be able to get all of these rescues done. And there are going to be people, unfortunately, who will uh, end up dying because they can't be rescued four days, three days now after the earthquake. Well, all right. it all began like so many things do. That snowball. It all began with a tweet. <laughs> Elon Musk is stepping down as chairman of Tesla and will pay a $20 million fine to settle charges brought against him by the SEC. He agreed to this reportedly without admitting or denying the allegations of the complaint, which allow the settlement allows him to remain CEO of the company, but keeps him from being reelected as chairman for another three years. So we had that backwards. Right. Did we have that? You had it and I fixed it. He can't seek reelection for three years, according to this. And he accepts this deal without admitting to or, or denying the allegations of the complaint. Um, Tesla agreed also to pay the $20 million to settle the claims that it failed to adequately police his tweets. So he gets $20 million, the company gets $20 million, and nobody cares because it's pocket change for those guys. Right. Um, uh, they said that they were suing him. The SEC said they're suing him for misleading investors with that tweet that he sent out in August. Oh, that was the one that basically said that he had secured funding? Right. Got it. And then there were uh, questions about who he would had secured it from. And that was, of course, on the heels of the complaints that the British diver in Thailand was a pedophile. I think this is good uh, for him taking uh, one uh, something off his plate. This is not— It seems like he's not a well person right now. Well, he may be great as chairman of—sorry, he may be— okay as chairman of the board but he's better as the brains so the tweet that is to blame was right like you said uh he says i'm considering taking tesla private at 420 dollars funding secured uh, that immediately sent the socks stock store soaring excuse me gosh it's tough <laughs> stock soaring um but then they had to clarify, and the company clarifies Tesla's indeed staying public. And then at least five shareholders since have filed lawsuits because they suffered losses over that. Right. So today, Tesla ends up at about $310 a share. It opened at 305 So it did gain a little bit. I mean, it was up 16% according to uh, at one point earlier today. The other story about Tesla is that they said that they made a record 80,000 vehicles last quarter. 80,000. And what I notice is when I'm driving to and from work every day, the car movers that I'm seeing are loaded with Teslas, loaded with them. And I don't know if it just happens to be I-5 or the route I'm taking, but uh, they they are cranking those things out left and right. Tesla is going to be just fine, uh, despite Elon Musk's very public, what appears to be a bit of a meltdown. Yeah. And if I was a Tesla stockholder, I would prefer... He just didn't smoke blunts with Joe Rogan. I uh, saw a guy in the parking garage last week in a Tesla, and I was pretty close. To, I was, like, peeking in to check it out because I wanted to see that. I saw that big screen mm-hmm. that you were talking about, and I almost asked him if I could look at the car and you know, get inside, look at the car. But then I didn't because he was a stranger, and I didn't You don't know him. who it was? No. I know who one of them is. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know if they want people to know what they're driving. I'll tell you. Okay. It's not anybody that you would think. It's nobody that works here. I don't think anybody here has a Tesla. I did not know the person. Okay. 
Um, so those are the big market stories that we've been following is this uh, Elon Musk. He's really dominated it. The uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average today ended up 192 points, 193 points. So we saw the Dow end at 26,651. S&P uh, 500 was up 11, and the NASDAQ dropped just about nine, nine points today. Hey, coming up uh, in about oh, 20 minutes or so, we're going to get into a story that The Atlantic reported on about the shocking number of killers who murder their coworkers. We've seen some of these workplace shootings uh, a lot lately. Uh, one of the law enforcement agencies saying it, it's the new normal. Why do you have a smile on your face? I just thought it was interesting that you would choose this story. Where'd Blake go? Why are you... Where'd Blake go? No, Is Blake he came running back in just now like he was late or something. Everyone's fine. Everyone's okay. Listen, it came running down the hall going, we'll, they're breaking early, they're breaking early. We'll get through so this together. Running. We'll get through this together. Uh the uh, Cubs-Brewers game right now is in the bottom of the ninth inning, two outs, a runner on second, so the tying run at the plate. And Why don't is, we have the Dodgers on? Because it comes on right after this. Oh, I guess it's on no. ESPN, too. Um, Rizzo already hit a home run in this game, and he's going to strike out here in this game for the Cubs. Uh, all right, we'll continue. When we come back, though, Rick Klein, political director from ABC News, is going to join us. We're going to talk about the politics that have surrounded the Kavanaugh confirmation. Give me the remote. It's never going to happen. Gary and Shannon will continue Wait, also. Money. Yeah, money. we got a thousand bucks we want to give you. Your shot at one thousand dollars now. Text the keyword luck to two hundred two hundred. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's luck to two hundred two hundred. If you win, it'll Oh, he hits it high, nope. he hits it deep. It's an out. It's an out. Okay, the Brewers won that game. So they're gonna host the winner of tonight's uh, this afternoon. I love game. that the Brewers that the Brewers won. Oh, that game. he just yep. said a bad word on TV. Who did? The pitcher. Oh. It happens. It happens. Kanye said a bad word. Gary and what Shannon. What were you saying? <laughs> 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 640 squirrel. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, don't forget, you gotta. You gotta. If you Nick, win that, fired. you win that thousand dollars. They'll call you to let you know. If you don't win, there's another chance next hour and every hour through the first hour of the Conway Show, Monday through Friday, right here on KFI. I get fired twice a week. You're not going to complain. Wait, when wait, you get fired what did once. I do? Well, when we suck, you get fired, and that was a lot of that. They were feeling like gold, the Dodgers do lead the league in attendance for 2018 and last year as well. But you're right. It'd be it nice is, if they showed up on time. It is. I wonder how much of it is people with the short notice. Or it's there are 15 million the concession people line. within driving range of yeah, Dodger Stadium. Because that right field, uh, that right field upper deck is the fact ab- that it's one o'clock on a Monday. Abandoned, right? People Blake? have jobs. Would if you, you had be tickets? Here? If you had tickets, would you go? Yeah. Okay. But I, you still have to get the day off for some people, right? Well, some people don't care about their jobs; they care more about the Dodgers. I'm just saying. I know for a fact that you wouldn't go if you were a Dodger fan. You would not take the day off of work, Hoffman. Maybe. Because you don't take days off work for things that you want to do. One of the uh, <laughs> one of the major stories that we have been following for a couple of weeks now 
is the story of the Kavanaugh confirmation. And now that the FBI has been brought into this and the politics of this thing, uh, it doesn't it's hard to figure out which one is more important, the confirmation process for the Supreme Court or the political gamesmanship that's been going on in the Senate Judiciary Committee and the Senate as a whole. Jeff Flake looks like he's on the campaign trail with this as one of the tenants of his uh, campaign, possibly. Rick Klein, a political director with ABC News, joins us. And Rick, first, thanks for taking time for us this afternoon. Sure yeah, happy to do it. Hey, uh, let's talk first of all about the, the investigation itself. Who gets to set the scope, since that's been such a key word lately, the scope of this investigation? Well, it is requested um, by the Senate Judiciary Committee only because a couple of key Republican senators said they needed it. Uh, and that gets filtered through the White House, specifically the White House Counsel's Office, which is then charged, uh, charged the FBI with it. So to the extent that there are limits on this, and there are limits in terms of time frame and, and potential witnesses, they are set by the White House. Uh, they are set by the Republicans that control the Senate Judiciary Committee. If you have the votes... Uh, you get to set the parameters, and uh, if Republicans control the Senate. Republicans control the White House. They get to they get to make sure that this is their process. So Jeff Flake last week uh, was going to vote to confirm Kavanaugh. Then was uh, accosted by some some sexual assault survivors in an elevator, saying you don't care about us. And then he seemed to change his mind, getting on the phone with Rod Rosenstein. How is he playing into this and his political ambitions as well? Well, maybe not a mistake that he's in New Hampshire tonight, uh, if you were talking about political ambitions. He's retiring from the Senate, but not necessarily retiring from politics. So uh, he has made his retirement tour, such as it is, uh, part of a message that says Washington is fundamentally broken and needs a major restart. Uh, He was on 60 Minutes last night, and he said... He couldn't have done what he did last week to force his investigation if he were running for re-election. That was a pretty stark admission by itself. And I think it is tied up in what Flake's ambitions are, and, and, and he controls right now the balance because it's a 51-49 Senate. You only need two Republicans to agree to something for this to, to be held up indefinitely. Right now there are three that we know of, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, along with Jeff Flake. If two out of those three end up being comfortable with moving forward in the nomination, it moves forward. Until or unless, we're in limbo land. How would that help him for 2020? His argument, if you want to play it forward to 2020, is that the country is sick of the partisanship. They're sick of the infighting. They're sick of the bickering. And the idea that you couldn't take an extra couple of days to check out the bona fides uh, of, uh, of a Supreme Court nominee for a lifetime appointment, you couldn't listen to women and the claims that they've made into a full FBI investigation, um, it, it doesn't make sense. And, uh, and the, the appeal to common sense that you heard from Senate Democrats, he thought that cooler heads need to prevail. And as you mentioned, he has said he wants to support Kavanaugh. He may be looking to get to yes, but that's the point of it, that, that, that if you're looking to a broader country that isn't attuned to partisan politics, they're looking at this and saying, come on, guys, get your acts together. This is a reasonable request. Okay, so, he's, he's working with his colleagues to get that done. So the FBI is in, engaged in this. They have been questioning witnesses, we know. Um, does that mean that we're not going to see a lot of political jabber-jawing uh, between now and Friday when uh, they're supposed to have this wrapped up? You want me to say yes? So <laughs> I'm, I'm begging, setup. please. That's a setup of a question. Look, it's a political process, and, and Judge Kavanaugh said so. He, he talked about the Democrats being in on it, and President Trump said so over the weekend. We shouldn't be shocked that there's politics involved. Um, it would be nice to think that now it's in the hands of the professionals and it all goes away, but who they talk to, how they talk to, and what you do with that information, it all comes down to a political judgment. So I, I just – even if this wasn't the Trump FBI, the beleaguered Trump FBI that, he's, that the president of self is attacking all the time, this would still be a hyper-partisan and politicized 
uh, topic. And, and it's going to continue to be up to the moment that Judge Kavanaugh becomes or does not become Justice Kavanaugh. I wonder if Flake is betting on the fact that the FBI comes up with nothing and then he can say, look, I was the Republican that stood up for, for women, you know, with that yeah. hot topic being what it is now. And uh, I'm the one who paved the way for Kavanaugh to get into the Supreme Court undirtied, you know, because if, be. if, you know, because if, if, if there was no FBI investigation, people would always be able to hang it over their heads. Like, well, what, hey, would, yeah. what would the FBI have found out? You, you could argue that this is the best thing for Republicans. If it comes back and they've got nothing, then it looks like the Democrats were grasping at right. once. They get their justice confirmed and he doesn't. It's good for even Kavanaugh. If mm. it's hanging over his head. What isn't good is lingering in, in limbo land for a couple of days with other other potential allegations coming out, other information coming out, more cross pressures brought to bear. That I don't think is an ideal situation. But uh, right, right now, if this, if this comes back when the FBI says it's inconclusive or they have nothing, then you're right. Blake may be have done his colleagues a favor, even if they don't really like him very much right now. Interesting. Well, this is going to be an interesting few days in D.C. Rick, thank you. Hey, my pleasure. Rick Klein there, the political director at ABC News. Interesting comment, though, about the, like you were asking, the gamble that Jeff Flake may be taking here so that if the FBI comes back and says, eh, there's not a whole lot, you know, there's no corroborating evidence or whatever, uh, but at least Jeff Flake gets credit for slowing things down and calling the FBI into it. There's a chance then that there would be people who would spin it and say, see, Republicans, powerful, rich white guys just use law enforcement to intimidate sexual assault victims from coming out again. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly an interesting political move for him. That's for sure. But he's well, he's got nothing to lose. I mean, uh, he's not going to lose face. I mean, he's already in bad graces with the rest of the Republican Party. The FBI finds something. Then well, then he then he could play that. Then he could play that to his advantage also, and Lee say, "Listen, I was uncomfortable with it, and look, my my guts, you know, my gut reaction was right." Yeah, but then if there's no time to do a confirmation hearing before the midterms, and the Democrats take back control of the House, then suddenly then that Supreme Court pick is going to be a Democrat, yeah. or you know what I mean? So I hate this. I just absolutely hate it. Well, do you want to talk about no? People killing their coworkers. Oh, that sounds better. Yes, let's talk about people killing their coworkers. Great story on that when we come back to the Gary and Shannon show. Amy? Yes, you just talked to her like she was in trouble. I'm still looking at that right field pavilion. A uh, lot of empty seats out there. Dodger Stadium. Well, I'm almost done. I could head out there and fill a couple of them. It's a good idea. Shannon, big stories that we have been uh, talking about today include the uh, issue over the Kavanaugh confirmation and now the FBI investigation that's going on. The White House has uh, issued what they're calling revised guidance to the FBI so that those agents can go through and interview anybody they think might be relevant in terms of their look into Brett Kavanaugh. Anybody at that point. Uh, President still says he wants this thing done by Friday. Mitch McConnell on the floor of the Senate not too long ago said he believes that they'll have a vote on Friday, regardless of whether or not everything oh. is in in uh, in place by then. You're going to replay that? No, I don't do highlights well. You go ahead. 
No, no. I mean, are, are they going to call for a replay on that? Oh, Blake says I yes. He wanted me to. Blake wants the phone. He wants it. a replay. There was a play, a close play at first just now. Cody Bellinger. Looks safe to Nick and I. Hit it to Let's the first see. baseman who just. Mm, uh, safe. Uh, I, yeah, I think you kind of have to go safe on that. Bang, bang, play, as they say. That was safe. Um, Dodgers are hosting the Rockies right now. This is to decide who wins the National League West, and then the loser goes on to play Chicago in Chicago tomorrow for the one game wild card position. Well, here's a fun fact for your next office party. The third leading cause of workplace death is homicide. What's number one and two? Excellent question. I'm glad you asked. Number one, falls to a lower level. (laughs) And number two, roadway collisions with other vehicles. So I'm thinking falls to a lower level. It's popular with construction, people that actually build things with their hands. Or just people who drive for work. Or people who drive for work. Maybe that's maybe that's included in there. But falls to a lower level as opposed to those people who fall and end up on the second floor. Yeah, no, I just mean, you know, if you're no, building. No, I know. It's you know. a funny way to put it. Yeah. So the third is? Murder. Murder. These are the latest Bureau of Labor Statistics. Statistics. And. They said he was out. They did not. Call yes, stands. That is crap. Stands. Wait, is it the same as football where it's a call stands meaning there wasn't uh, That's like when overturnable Kenyon... and confirmed mean it's obvious? Do you know what I mean? Good question. Because in football, if they say confirmed, it means, yeah, we looked at it and it's for sure that's what it was. Does stands just means we can't reverse it? That is safe from every angle. I don't know about that. That he, angle was different. The only thing I told Nick between the behind the other. The only thing I told Nick is you can't tell if the pitcher's uh, heel is already on the base when his toe touches. Yeah. Anyway, back to relax. Uh, the runner moved to third. Back to murder at work. Productive at bat. What is behind all of this shooting, which is the leading cause, and then stabbing, cutting, slashing, piercing are the runner-ups? What's behind all of it? Well, it looks like in recent workplace shootings, uh, it's been dis- love triangles, disgruntled coworkers. Well, you know uh, that that was the case up in. Um... In Bakersfield. Correct. That shooting not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago. Which is why you shouldn't date people that you work with. Or you shouldn't uh, cheat on your husband or wife with people you work with. Right. Just keep it out of the office. Right. Uh, there is another cause that's been pretty pretty well overlooked, and that's fraud. So, like a boss who kills his assistant to protect a Ponzi scheme. Or a crooked accountant who poisons a thorough auditor. That's... <laughs> Frank, the guy by the name of Frank Perry is a defense attorney who also teaches forensic accounting at DePaul University. And he has coined the term red collar crime. He was working on a murder case in 2005. It was an embezzlement scam that ended with a salesman, his client, convicted of smashing his partner's skull with a claw hammer. Side note. Yes. I promise to never smash your skull with a a claw hammer. First of all, I don't have a claw hammer. Yes, you do. Oh, is that just a normal hammer? Yes. Oh, I do have a claw hammer. Why did they feel the need to put the descriptor claw in there? I don't know. There are plenty of hammer styles that you could use to bash in someone's head. Ball peen. Sledge might be a little harder to bring into the office. I mean, unless you got a little small one, one of those little 18-inch handles. Have you seen the size of my purse? Do you have a sledgehammer in there? No. See? But anyway, did you want to 
tell me that you also promise not to off me with a hammer? I think that that's I think you're asking me to make promises about stuff. Okay. I'm not You were right about the Dodgers attendance. I'm not yet willing. I to. was wrong. Now, Perry said that his client in that case, this this salesman who was convicted of smashing his partner's skull with a claw hammer, uh his client was well-spoken and had no known history of violence or arrests. So I think I think I have a cleaner legal record than you do. But that's what makes you so dangerous. Research shows the more that people reflect our own image, the more we're inclined to give them what's called an implied credibility. Mm-hmm. So like because you look like you have a clean record and you act like it, I deem you safe when you are not. When you were hiding a, a hammer over I, there. I could be very predatory is the way he puts it. In fact, there was um, a uh, study called The Red Collar Crime. Frank Perry wrote it, International Journal of Psychological Studies. And he looks at a few dozen of these fraud-related homicides and attempted homicides that he was researching in detail. For example, a guy named Aaron Hand Former president of American Financial Group plotted a $100 million mortgage fraud uh, before he was caught. He was put in jail, and while he was there, he tried to hire hitmen to silence an informer. And his quotes were things like, I wish I was there to watch him suffer. <laughs> like a Scorsese I movie. I swear to God, money just turns people into monsters. Um he didn't end up killing anybody, but there were others that did succeed. Uh, a, there was another one uh, where you had people getting shot, people getting bludgeoned, people getting poisoned, like I said. But they're saying the two traits to be most correlated with this white-collar violence, or in this case his own little uh, label, the red-collar crime, narcissism and psychopathy. Mm. And that psychopathy is even more common than you would expect in the business world. Of course it is. Wow. In a a study in 2010, researchers administered a test that's used to uncover whether somebody is a psychopath. Uh, they, They did it for 203 managers and executives at seven companies. It's a 40 point scale. And the average person scores three or below. So so you'd be at a three. I'd be at a three. Amy, maybe a four. But, th- I mean, the low scores, right? Single digits is what we're looking for here. Eight subjects pulled a score of 30 or higher, which is serial killer territory. <laughs> they have excellent communication skills. They have excellent lying skills. So that makes them attractive to whatever job interviewer. Right. They're lying about all their stuff, and they're making everybody feel calm. You and know what? Complacent. I wonder if I can find the psychopath uh, test. It's an interesting to see if you, if I would, would uh, score well. All right, we'll have to do this. Although I don't think you are very good at hiding your emotions. No, when they like come when, out, like when we're in the office in the morning, and Handle comes in mm-hmm. and starts eating our candy and our ding dongs. Yes, I can see. The anger behind your blank stare. Like I can see it bubbling up. Yeah, but that's because you have seen enough of the other side of it. Like you've seen enough of that breaking through. You can see some of the telltale signs. Yeah. I found the psychopath test. Oh, we'll have to do that when we come back.
Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Gary and Shannon. John and Ken show is coming up in a few minutes. We were talking about this uh, study that shows from the Bureau of Labor Statistics that shows the third leading cause of workplace death behind falls and crashes happens to be homicide. Shooting, stabbing, cutting, slashing, piercing, poisoning, that sort of thing. And that a lot of times the two traits most correlated with white-collar violence, narcissism and psychopathy. And Shannon, of course... Found a psychopathy test. And am, Shannon, am of I course. a psychopath? Wait, don't tell anybody. <laughs> you took this one already. This I is the same it. one, yeah. right? Yes, this one sir. you're filling little bubbles there. Yes. All right. So uh, you, there's questions here used to rate uh, someone's psychopathic or antisocial tendencies, and I'm supposed to rate each personality trait on how it applies to me. So it either does not apply, applies to some extent, or it applies perfectly. So we'll go down the list here, okay? Mm-hmm. Glib and superficial, uh, like I'm insincere or shallow. You can be that way sometimes. I would say some extent, yeah. yeah. Uh, grandiose, exaggeratedly high estimation of myself. I'd say applies to some extent. Some extent, okay. Yeah. Need for stimulation, like I'm prone to boredom. Yes. I would say, I wouldn't say perfectly, because I'm pretty good about finding stuff to do, yeah, but I will find myself find, bored. You find stuff to do because you're bored. You need to. So it applies perfectly. You think? Yeah. Oh, so. okay. Uh, pathological lying. I lie to make things go more smoothly. Yes, applies to some extent. I've had you lie to me and know it. No, that's not true. <laughs> I like fear. Now you're lying. <laughs> um, cunning and man- manipulative. I cheat and manipulate people. No, that does not that apply. Does not apply to me. Uh, that I have a lack of remorse or guilt. That does not apply. That does not apply. You either. feel guilt. Uh, that I am a shallow. Uh, I have a shallow affect. Applies to some extent. Superficial emotional responses. I rarely connect with others emotionally. Emotionally, I think applies to some extent. Um, callousness and a lack of empathy. Sometimes. Oh wow. Well, because I like, thought I was supposed to fill this out. Remember how you went after Adam about his shorts, and then he found out, and his feelings were hurt. And his you feelings didn't care. weren't hurt. He didn't care either. Obviously. A uh, parasitic lifestyle. I'm able to work, but instead I live off of others. Does not apply. Okay. Uh, poor behavioral controls. I have poor control over my behavior. I can be short-tempered, hot-headed, suddenly irritable, annoyed, and or impatient. Applies to some extent. Okay, I will give you that yes. <laughs> We're taking this test on whether or not I am a psychopath. Uh, sexual promiscuity applies, does, uh, applies to some extent or does not apply. I didn't know you before. I don't know how promiscuous you are, but you do have a long list of of ex-girlfriends with weird names. (laughs) Early behavior problems. Like, under the age of 12, I had serious behavior problems such as persistent lying, cheating, theft, fire setting, cruelty to animals, truancy, drug use, vandalism, violence, running away, and or pre-conscious sex. Before 12. Wow. Does not apply. Does not apply. Lack of realistic long-term goals. I never really gave much serious thought to the future. Does not apply. Um, impulsivity. I'm impulsive. I don't think before I act. I would say to some, some extent, extent yeah. yeah. Irresponsibility. I have little to no sense of duty or loyalty to family, friends. I may engage in behavior that puts others at risk. Does I not manage apply. my finances poorly. Does not apply. Okay. Uh, failure to accept, uh, accept responsibility for my own actions. I make excuses or I rationalize behavior or I blame others no, or circumstances. No, not at all. 
um, many short-term marital relationships. So there were there was definitely more than three marital relationships. Oh, marital really? Oh, I'm yeah. sorry, no. I answered that one wrong. Oh, psychopaths can't read. <laughs> Uh, juvenile delinquency. <clears throat> I, I thought they just meant relationships before you were married. No, 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 no. Short-term marital Got relationships. Uh, juvenile delinquency. If you have a history of serious antisocial behavior, 17 and younger, uh, or some formal contact with the criminal justice. No. No. Revocation of conditional release, like no. a violated probation. Nope. And then the last one, criminal versatility. That sounds nice. If you're a criminal in adulthood. Uh, um, does not apply. Different types of crimes, et cetera. So it does not Let's apply. Let's see what you got. So you and I, we had the same... You took the same thing. You yeah, took it during the I took, break. I take I, I took the same thing, and we had probably almost nearly all the same answers. Uh, okay, so th- when I push submit, and it figures out my test, I hope this isn't one of those things like, what flavor ham sandwich would you be? Uh, it says I'm a nine. Oh, that's good. So uh, on that test, a typical psychopath would get a maximum of 40. Someone with no psychopathic traits or tendencies would get a zero. Above 30, you have a severe psychopathy, uh, but people with no criminal backgrounds usually score about a 5. Non-psychopathic criminal offenders, about a 22. So, a total score, what was yours? Mine was 9 out of 40. Mine was 14, but I answered that one wrong. So, I'm going to go with 12. A total anywhere between 10 and 19 on this psychopath test would place an individual as mildly psychopathic. I like things to go smoothly. <laughs> Remember, if you followed along and kept score at home, this is not a diagnosis. This is a, this is something on the internet that told us that Shannon was a psychopath. No, 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 no. Oh, mild. Doctor, mild, mild psychopath. Yes, only a doctor or qualified mental health professional can make an actual diagnosis of psychopathy and recommend treatments. Um, but <clears throat> that is a uh, that is a little eye opening. Was it? Well, that you would be somewhere between a 12 and a 14 on the psychopath test. I don't think all psychopaths are bad. I mean, if you... I wish you could see Deborah's face right now, because that was classic. I just don't That was classic. I don't think all murderers are bad. No, no, no. no. That's not the same thing. I want to know where you're going with this. I don't think... I don't think all John, psychopaths are bad. John will agree with me. She's. Do you think? Okay. Yeah, wait a minute, because this is a good one. <laughs> I think he would get the same score I got on the test. Uh, uh, and John's not a bad person. You'll have to send the link to him so that he can take that test. That's. Uh, what, uh, it's a psychopath test, and I got mild. I got mild. <laughs> That's all? Mild psychopathy. <laughs> Test is a little off. Well, I like, the, and I'm, my, my backup is I like things to go smoothly. So, you know, so, sometimes you have to to be not completely honest. Oh. Right? Uh, oh, you yeah. Lie to, yes. You lie to smooth things over. Yeah, yeah but you, you're... Psychopathic tendencies run deeper than that. I don't agree. <laughs> with it's that. a little beyond social lies. I, I don't agree with that. <laughs> uh, you're out of order. This whole court's out of order. You ever get blackout drunk, Senator? Uh, sometimes I fell asleep. 
Wasn't that his answer? Yes. That's, uh, I didn't pass out. I fell asleep. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so I fell asleep on a staircase. That's, so. that's admissible, I suppose. Um, all right, Blackout you... is when you don't remember anything. Right. right. Yes. yes. Okay, I had to, so in there... fact, I was telling Shannon earlier, I had to explain that to my daughter, the difference between passing out, blacking out, and just going to bed because you're tired. Right. Did you give and examples of... These of my past, experiencing you. Yeah. I said, I said, if I stop drinking now, I'll just go to bed. But if I have three more, I'll pass out. Right after that, I'll black out. Right, something like that. That's uh, that's the progression. It's good that you're teaching your children. Well, this. and then I made her go get me another beer. <laughs> um, what do you guys? What do you guys have coming? Uh, well, very soon we are going to be um, releasing the uh, voter guide. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, that, uh, we were working furiously on it just now. Well, Ken was. I was watching the baseball we, game. Uh, but he was, uh, <laughs> we were going to do ours in crayon. <laughs> yeah, somebody told our... us to do a voter guide. I don't know what the hell for. <laughs> there, well, there is a vote coming up in a month. Well, I know, I know that. But... <laughs> well, if you, you know, but you, you don't... want to take the word of a mild psychopath? <laughs> right. Who's going to do that? I, I don't wonder, like to tell I people I wonder how to who vote. would have the higher score, you or me. I think we would. You know what? I'm going to send you a link. All right. And you take it. <laughs> it's a quick few minutes. Take it yeah. while Ken's talking about the voter guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John and Ken up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Tune in next week for the hilarious funeral episode on Gary and Shannon.